0: Welcome to the Chelsea fancast, fuelled by Guinness, powered by Celery, the show that has actually quite enjoyed the break from the madness that is Chelsea, enforced by the international break. No Chelsea for a week, but that doesn't stop the crazy news train from rolling along. Uh, Thus far, we've had news stories on Sarri about to be sacked by the club, Roman selling the club, supporters boycotting the club, and Callum Hudson-Odoi leaving the club for not just Bayern Munich, but Liverpool and Man United. Uh, You couldn't make it up, apart from some lazy lazy journalist probably has. Uh, Now, talking about facts and the real world for a second, Callum Hudson-Odoi became the youngest England debutant in a competitive match against the Czech Republic last Friday, and impressed in his brief cameo. Southgate's selection of Hudson-Odoi, of course... Uh, intentionally or otherwise, drew negative comparisons to Sarri's ambivalence toward Chelsea's bright prospect. At least Southgate had his feet on the ground by encouraging him to stay at Chelsea. On the plus side, at least Chelsea have not lost to anyone this week. So things can't be all that bad, can they? We shall see. Anyway, the Chelsea fancast number 456, which is entitled Blessed Relief, which is kind of what this week has felt like, considering... Where we've been and how moany we've been recently, but there you go. Uh, anyway, I'm going to introduce the usual suspects who are this week, of course, Jonathan Kidd. Hello, Jonathan.
2: Lovely to be here. Is the title to do with um, uh, a pre and onanism? A whatism? Onanism.
0: So try that again. Onanism? onanism.
2: What's that? Onan- I'm not
0: going to tell you. You have to go and look it up. All right, I'll Google it. I'll Google it. These, I mean, you know, the fact that Clayton and Joe were laughing tells me that they know what it is and I don't.
1: In fact, it's kind no, of... it, it's just basically I was laughing because it was just Jonathan.
0: Oh, I see, oh. I see. Well, I, I've kind of uh, uh, not ingratiated myself with my, uh, my team on the uh, Love Sport Fans Forum show, which I'm doing on the Sunday afternoon, because I, I quite often throw in words that they've never heard of which they find amusing, but kind of for the wrong reasons. But there you go. Right, Uh, and of course, you've heard already, we've got Clayton in the house. Always lovely to have Clayton on the show. How are you, mate? Very well, thank you,
1: and uh, good to be on.
0: Mm, Indeed, Looking forward to it. Absolutely lovely to have you on, as I said. And last, but by no means least, uh, a man we've had on very recently always goes down very well on our shows. He's full of so much intelligence and knowledge. It's always an education having Joe on the show. Joe Tweedy, you all right, mate? Yeah, evening, Chich. Thanks for having me on. on. Oh, mate, it's, it's our honour and privilege, mate. It's lovely <laughs> to have you on, as I said. And I shall warn you now, people, uh, Joe's uh, Joe set me some homework uh, to read uh, a blog which he wrote a few years ago, actually, about the youth, which uh, is still as relevant today as it was when he wrote it. i got to fess up, Joe. I got about two-thirds of the way through. Your your blogs are like books, you know? Yeah. yeah. They're like yeah, books, I mate. I
3: have to do the research for them, otherwise they, they don't count. So, yeah, they often... Uh, yeah, it's a lunch break. It's a lunch hour reading session. Yeah,
0: I know. I thought I'd sneakily get it in before the show. I was wrong. <laughs> I should have known better. But there you go. We are we are yeah. going to talk about yeah. this later. Obviously, Jonathan.
2: You have to look all those words up as well, don't
0: you, Chich? Yes, I do. I do. Now, I know them all. I have a very wide vocabulary. In... No, I'm
2: being unfair. I'm being unfair. Yeah, of course you
0: do. I do. But both in, in, in English and Anglo-Saxon, it has to be said. But there you go. Uh, right. Uh, let's get on without much further ado. On the show tonight, uh, we're going to take a look at Callum Hudson-Odoi and Ross Barkley's performances in an impressive win for England against Czech Republic and ask... Is it easier to play for England than Chelsea? And has Hudson-Odoi's selection made a mockery of Sarri? And are international breaks a help or a hindrance? And of course, we are very well aware that the England or the Montenegro versus England game will be on while we're on air. So I will be sneaking a look round my shoulder. Annoyingly, my TV is not within my... Uh, vision, So I have to turn around and watch it. But I uh, will try and keep a, a press of what's going on, because I, I hear that Callum is starting tonight, which is excellent news. Now, in part two, uh, we round up the Chelsea news from the week and we see if we can discern fact from fiction. Is it all just fake news or is there no smoke without fire when it comes to Chelsea? And with all the negativity around Chelsea at the moment, we take stock... ...to look at the good things about supporting Chelsea. And hopefully, uh, if he can manage it... ...JK is going to take us for a trip down memory lane... ...to talk about some of his favourite Chelsea matches... ...players and people. And in part three, the bit I was teasing a minute ago... uh, ...we're going to try and solve the conundrum with Chelsea's youth... Uh, And also have a look ahead to next weekend's match against Cardiff. And there's no better person on the show to help us do that than Joe Tweedy, of course. Now, we're going to wrap it up, as ever, uh, in part four. Uh, We've got a bumper load of emails for JK and me to read out. I mean, they're all absolute humdingers this week, so you're going to love that. Now, don't forget you can listen to the show live every Monday at seven o'clock by going to Mixler, which is m i x l r dot com forward slash Chelsea hyphen Fancast, where you can join in the chat by posting on the live chat page, and you can also tweet at Chelsea Fancast during the show to tell us what you think about the games and anything else on Chelsea. And uh, we do have a few. They're streaming in. They've, I've, I, I, I get the feeling, gentlemen. I get the feeling that I might have surprised surprised the listener. You know. Uh, because normally at this stage, we have way more people in mixer than we do at the moment. And I just wonder if they thought, yeah, Chiz is a lazy bastard. He's probably decided to long off doing a podcast on the international, uh, international day. Because I, I really can't believe they're all watching the England game. But there you go. Uh, mates, always good to see you in here. We'll keep in touch with you during the show, as we always do. Now, uh, after this little break, we will be uh, coming back with hudson adoy and Barkley chats. <laughs> Well, well, well. I mean, I, I, Jonathan and I actually had the somewhat unenviable task of uh, doing a radio show. We were doing our Love Sport uh, Chelsea fan cast on Friday evening, which was the evening of the England game. It's really hard to try and watch football and do a show at the same time, as I'm finding out every Sunday. Uh, of course, we were blessed in the fact that we had Kerry Dixon as our guest on that show who, of course, played for England. But it was a fascinating evening, wasn't it, J.K.? Not least because we had Kerry as our guest, but also trying to watch the game.
2: Well, I, I if you remember, didn't try and watch the game because I sat under yeah. the telly. Yeah, that's so true. You, you watched me a lot of the time. I did. Not watch, not watching the game. Um, but, uh, but Kerry was brilliant. I don't know if anybody in Mixler heard the uh, uh, the show on Love Sport, but um, uh, I love the fact that he sort of disagreed with everything that I said. I thought, well, actually was part the course really but um, um there was a wonderful moment that uh, nobody would have got on the radio where he actually said what is Sari ball and then removed himself from the microphone and did an enormous shrug that went on for several minutes <laughs> uh, and uh, moved his arms and, and having kind a weird face with his eyebrows raised as if what on earth and I attempted to come up with a, a an ex- explanation but at the end of it he still carried on with the shrugging so obviously I hadn't convinced him but um, it was um um he's very good very good at uh, talking about football and uh, and a character and uh, uh, if you missed it anybody it's really worth having a listen but also uh, um catch up with him whenever you can because he's a sweet man and he'll chat to you so uh, it was um it was a, a lovely experience for me to to be sharing a, um, a microphone with him it was great stuff really enjoyed it
0: yeah uh, he he was on, he was on cracking cracking form i cracking. thought actually you know <laughs> He he clearly really really enjoyed it. I mean, I, I I've got to know Kerry quite well uh, over the last few years. I mean, you know, I, I've been doing a show with him when we're when we're both uh, you know available and and around. But uh, I don't get to see him face to face that much, uh, and it was lovely to do that. And I think he felt really comfortable being on there with us, and he was just absolute gold. He really was. And Jonathan, don't worry, mate. He he disagreed with me about most things just as much. So I, I, I don't think it was want. just you.
2: No, no, I'm not worried at all. I felt I enjoyed it. I enjoyed his uh, his opposition because it made for really good radio as well. And he was level. he was sweet as well about it. He wasn't, um, he, wasn't he had a different view. You know, his big thing is he enjoyed playing four four two, and he enjoyed having a forward up there with him. Mm. And he can't understand why uh, uh, we don't try and do that. He said he was. We had a big debate about. The speed of the football, because I kept saying, surely it's fitter. Surely they're all more stamina. I said, you lot just, you know, drank and smoked lots of cigarettes. I said, you must have got knackered. And he said Malcolm McDonald could run 100 metres in 10.5 seconds. And, and, he, and he was 11 seconds and he couldn't see what the difference was. And they were all as, and the football was all as quick, just as quick. And it was just a different system. And why couldn't Chelsea go back to playing that system, mm. essentially? And that's actually that's an interesting point, isn't it? It'd be interesting. Somebody came up and said, "I've got this new theory: four, four, two. Let's Four, play four.
0: That. Yeah. Get Mike Bassett as the next Chelsea manager. We'll be fine. Um. Listen, what we, we kind of digress. It was great fun, but I'm glad we we mentioned that. But uh, you know, I didn't really see therefore the England game in the way that I normally would. But I'm more than aware that uh, you know, thank God Eric Dyer got injured, but Southgate brought Ross Barkley on, who who played with a freedom. That we've just not seen at Chelsea this season, which of course I'm I'm particularly interested in because I, I I you know been saying for ages that I think that he's having the spontaneity and those kind of bullocking runs coached out of him. But of course everybody was talking about Callum Hudson-Odoi who who came on at the end for a little cameo uh, and of course uh, created uh, a you know I mean uh, you can't really say you know, he meant to assist that goal, but the keeper saved it and uh, Callus, a Chelsea. Uh, player, of course, managed to score a ridiculously stupid own goal. Um, but, of course, all the news is about Callum. Um, I'm, I'm going to start with, with Barkley first, uh, uh, Clayton. Um, you know my theory about him, but he, he did play well, didn't he? He had a play with a freedom, and I thought he was really influential. Looked good, didn't he?
1: Yeah, I mean, I've I've been banging on about it for ages and everything I've written in the CFC UK yeah. and, and sort of on uh, the Love Sports show. I just don't think that We see the Ross Barkley that was there on Friday night Um, and I think that it's twofold. I think he deserves credit because I believe he was the first one back after the World Cup um, and training hard. He was back uh, before the other players. He's got himself incredibly fit, probably fitter than he's been in his life Um, and I my perception is that he wanted to do every single thing he was told to do to get in the side. Um, and that means doing what Sarri tells you to do. Now, absolutely no problem with that whatsoever in terms of doing what you're told to do. But he is, and I, I'm not putting him in anywhere near in the same class, but he's a similar sort of player to Gaza, And Gazza couldn't play in a system. Gaza played like Gaza. Um, and I think Ross Barkley needs to be able to do what he has to do. He needs to be able to pick up the ball and run at people. And we've seen with him and with um, Ruben, that is the only way this season that we've actually caused defences any problems is when we run at them at speed. And these are these are big boys. They're not small boys. Um, and I think Ross is, is basically t- not told not to do that he's told this is where you've got to be this is what you've got to do and and that's what he does um and god bless him because he's obviously doing everything that he's told to do and he wants to please the manager because he wants to be in the side um and subsequently you know the the whole sari thing is is just desperately frustrating um as the international break has shown, he's, you know, that there are players who are playing in their proper position. You know, you look at France, Cante uh, Kante played in his proper position and Oliver Giroud scored, uh, you know, because there's not many managers. i oh, sorry. I'm going off. piece. No no, 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 that's good. I've already started. I've already started. Carry on. Sarri carry on. Carry there on. there are not many managers going back to Everton. Who's has a forward, who scores a hat trick and then is dropped. You know, it, none of it makes any sense. We are we are doing what or at the moment we're we're putting so many players, making them play in the wrong place, um, and it's just it's just killing us. Which is why next year, if he's not there, and we've got somebody who's willing to let the players play where they're supposed to play, the whole transfer ban might not be quite as horrendous um, as as it could be if. Um,
0: the emperor is still in charge. Mm, interesting stuff. Um, I mean, you know, talking about playing players in the right position. I mean, one thing you will, you can, you can say about Sarri is that he's never really played Hudson Odoi in the wrong position. Albeit he quite often plays him on on the other. I mean, you know, we know that he he prefers being on the left, but he can equally play on the right. Um, I, I was really quite intrigued by the somewhat media fueled drama that surrounded this. I mean, Liam, our mate Liam Toomey, um, he. Uh, posed a question to Gareth Southgate in the presser last week, uh, uh, very much around the Hudson-Odoi issue, and it seemed to me that uh, Southgate was very much, in a sense, uh, making a mockery of, of what Sarri has said, which is that he's not ready and he has to be patient. Uh, and then He then gets 10 minutes and he plays really well, and of course the whole news cycle goes potty, and I think again tonight he'll be... Uh, he'll be getting a start, and that would be interesting. But I've been listening to the radio today, Joe, and they've all been full of it, all kind of, oh, my goodness me, you know, hudson are always going to get a start. He hasn't even had a start for Chelsea. I mean, do you think this is a load of media piffle, or is there a sense that actually, you know, these guys are good enough and should be starting? And then I, the other thought that occurred to me, Joe, was, you know, is it actually easier to play for England than it is to play for Chelsea?
3: I think maybe maybe historically you could say that about Chelsea. I, you know, going back a couple of years, but I, I'm not sure that's the case now. You know, just looking at the the, th- the th- th- three who started for England on uh, Friday. You know, Kane, Sterling, and Sancho is is infinitely better than than what Chelsea composed there. And you know, there's there's now this kind of deep sort of seated irony in the fact that you know. William and Pedro, the sort of internationals, you know, they were being picked because of international experience. They're they're both currently at Cobham twiddling their thumbs after training with the academy team and Hassan Do- Adoy is now the international. So, it's it, it's quite interesting to see how that's going to kind of, you know, how that's going to sort of develop over the season because we we keep hearing from Sarri that you know, he's he doesn't have the experience he's not quite, you know, he's not quite there yet yet, every time he's picked every time he's played I'm not suggesting that he's, uh, you know, he's, he's fantastic every time that he's played for Chelsea season but more often than not, I think he's he's been a pretty, pretty kind of bright spark when he's played, when he started in the Europa League, etc. And even his England cameo, you know, he was he was incredibly bright. I think you can see his his ability to link up with better players, his ability to play the game at a pace that maybe Pedro and Willian don't play often enough. And I, I do think a little bit Southgate was I don't think intentionally. So I, I just think that that's maybe that's sort of maybe kind of how Gareth Southgate is built is that he will pick players based on merit, not necessarily because of the reputation. I think a little bit that that's partly why a lot of Chelsea youngsters don't get opportunities is because they have these you know quote unquote international stars um, sort of ahead of them in the pecking order and managers are terrified to to sort of pick a young player ahead of them because you know they play for Brazil or Spain or whoever. But it's a little bit interesting now because come the weekend you're going to have uh, you know an international winger who's who's played you know pretty considerable part in two matches, two qualifiers while his two counterparts have have been training with, with the development team. So. I think, you know, the media were always going to jump over it whenever it's Chelsea. Something always has to be kind of, you know, taken to the to the nth degree and and, and holes prodded and poked and stuff like that. But I do think there's some legitimacy because, you know, the the, the fact that Hasendoy hasn't started a single Premier League game this season, given the fact that Pedro and Willian have been so up and down, has it even, you know, has, has not been, I would say, at his sparkling best as well. You know, the fact that he hasn't started one game, I think that that is something that you, that you can definitely hold against Sorry, and we'll see how he approaches it for the rest of the
0: season. Mm, interesting. stuff Can I
1: can I just ask yeah, you of course, a mate. question? Um how much do you think um, Steve Holland is a big influence on the fact that uh, Hudson-Odoi one got called up and one is getting game time because presumably he would have worked with him and he would have worked with um, Declan Rice as well wouldn't he? Yeah, yeah, exactly,
3: yeah. You know, I I don't think you can you can overestimate it and you know, one of the interesting things that I've I've spoken to some people at Chelsea is that you know they feel internally at the academy that they won't really get a fair chance unless they have a Chelsea person kind of in, you know, on the bench in the club. And I don't mean someone like Zola. I mean someone who's worked with these kids, kind of day in the out, kind of day in day out, kind of understands them. I think Holland. That's that sort of really the you know the case of him. He he worked with the 21s with with Southgate for a while, so he knows you know Loftus Cheek, and it was a reason why Schalbert got called up to train with the first team. Mason Mount, a lot of these young kids have have been called up to go to train with the England first team as well, maybe not play for them. So I think he's a he's a huge huge part of it. And I think again, you know, he's one of those those sort of intangibles that you look at and see potentially Chelsea maybe needs someone like him to come back into the club if these kids are going to get an opportunity akin to to someone that we buy or to some of their their sort of contemporaries in the squad as well
2: so would the frank and jody combination be the best you think for the uh bringing the youth in then joe
0: well we're going to talk about can we leave that to part three because i don't want to do it all now because uh there's a lot that we want to get into i was going to say actually jonathan you know that's an interesting point about steve holland but uh of course gareth southgate uh you know he coached a lot of the youngsters didn't he at the england level so he'll he'll know them very well too won't he well, I think
2: that's one of the reasons why he's been so keen. I think he was keen to get Steve Holland as well because of his connections with the youth. It's quite a, um, an enlightened thing, isn't it? Yeah. The, manager, the England manager to have been so on the ball with all of this, just bringing youth in. It's been quite phenomenal how they've all uh, performed with no baggage. I think that's one of the major things, isn't it? There isn't any. They haven't had the experience of losing um, in, in competitions badly because um, the, the semi-final of the World Cup was a positive even though we lost it I mean what's happened well it's obvious to me what's happened now is that the uh, the Hudson-Odoi um, being selected for England is like an enormous stick with which to beat Sarri and, and I'm becoming more and more convinced also with Barclay's performances um, that the players that he has are completely wrong now for his system and I will always advocate his system but uh, um Absolutely, clearly, we've bought players who are too good and too, well, good is the wrong word. They're too individual. Their skills do not fit the regimentation that Sarri requires. And I think that Adoy is one of those as well. I think that uh, um, because he's been going on about how his defensive qualities aren't good enough. And yet, if you've got somebody playing as well as that, um, and he has improved in the season as well, because when he started, he was a bit tentative. But every time he comes on now, he's improved. You have to admit that uh, um, he should be playing him. And as you said earlier, I think the the problem is William and Pedro are 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 ahead of him just in experience and caps and reputation supposedly. But um, he should start him at the weekend. I think it'd be be well if he doesn't, it'll be unbelievably unpopular with the support. So, he 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 won't
1: though because basically he'll say he's played two goals, like involved in, He's uh, depending on how, how long. Yeah, yeah, he'll, yeah say he'll, he'll be tired. tired, and you know, and, and as Chich said, William and Pedro have been back at Cobham and they're yeah. raring to go. You
0: know he's not going to play. Well, yeah. I, actually, that that's a good point, chaps, because I, I was going to talk about, about this because I was intrigued by who's out on international duty and who is not. And obviously Hazard, Kovacic, Christensen, Barkley... Uh, hudson Doy Kante, Giroud, Rudiger, Jorginho, and Kepa are all, have all been on international duty. Uh, and this is who's been, you know, left behind, either because they've retired or not called up. Caballero, Green, Aspilaqueta, Zapacosta, Cahill, Luiz, Alonso, Emerson, Drinkwater, Pedro, William, Higuain. So you can guarantee... That, uh, I, you know, it'd be quite, I mean, if I was Sarri, I'd almost do this deliberately, actually, just to piss people off. But you could pick a side of Caballero, Zapacosta, uh Louis. he won't pick Cahill, obviously, Luiz, uh, Alonso or Emerson, uh, Pedro, William Higuain. Because, of course, they're not tired, are they? Because they've been training with, of course, actually, not just that. Because he's had an extra week or two training with them, they'll be much more uh, familiar with Sarri so they'll be more effective. Anyway, I'm clearly joking.
2: It's but, interesting, Rich, that Filiqueta that, 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 that hasn't been called up, isn't it? Because we've appreciated he's been playing poorly. And clearly, yeah. that's passed on to the... Uh, that, that, this, this Spanish uh, selectors have been aware of that as well.
0: Yeah, well, you know, <laughs> they pick on merit, mate, and I think that was the point that Joe and Clayton were making about uh, what Gareth Southgate does. Listen, I just want to pick up on something, because one of you, uh, it was you, wasn't it, Jonathan? You mentioned Malcolm McDonald a minute ago. And as it happens, I happened to be driving home after my radio show last night, uh, listening to Talk Sport. They've got this great, uh, great series on at the moment called Motty Meets, where John Motson meets uh, somebody that he knows very well, you know, from years and years and years ago. Uh, And uh, last night, he had an hour-long interview with Malcolm McDonald which was fascinating. And Malcolm McDonald uh, told uh, the audience uh, about the time when, and this is actually quite pertinent to what we're talking about, really, but he, he, got, <clears throat> he got picked for England under Don... Re- well, he got picked for England under Alf Ramsey, made his debut under Ramsey, and then Ramsey got the tin tack, and then they put Don Revy in charge. And uh, his first game for Revy was when England played West Germany in... Uh, 1975 which is the game that Alan Hudson stole the show for those of a certain vintage sadly uh, he was playing for Stoke by then not Chelsea but M- McDonald scored in that but he said that Revy came up to him before the match and said um, well you know basically uh, I didn't want you here I don't want to play you and I really don't rate you but thanks to the newspapers and their constant badgering to get you selected And the FA, I have to play you. He said, but I'm telling you now, if you don't score, I'm never going to pick you for England again. And, uh, you know, McDonald thought, I I see. At least I know where I stand. And also, I know that I'm going to get picked. Anyway, he scores against West Germany. And they're all in the dressing room afterwards. And Revy came in the dressing room afterwards. And he shook every single player's hand from, you know, in numerical order, 1 to 11. Uh, And when he got to uh, whoever played number 10 for us, he then went straight past... Uh, or, sorry, number eight. He went straight past Malcolm McDonald completely blanked him. Uh, anyway, McDonald gets picked for the next game, which was a qualifier against Cyprus, European uh, Championship qualifier against Cyprus. And uh, apparently... Uh, he had told Alan Ball that what Revy had been up to you know saying look basically he said it again he said look I don't want you here I don't want you to play for England I don't rate you you know and if you if you don't score a goal I'm never going to pick you again anyway Alan Ball got hold of this and he he kind of clubbed together with Alan Hudson and uh, Mick Shannon and they basically decided to lay the ball on from McDonald so that he would score they wanted him to try and break the record which was six individual goals for an England in an England match uh, anyway cutting to the chase uh he scored five goals which is you know equals the record certainly the only time I've seen that happen in my lifetime and uh and Revy still blanked him in the dressing room afterwards he didn't even shake his hand so I think the point I'm trying to make is that if a manager doesn't fancy you he just doesn't fancy you and it can be for weird reasons that you just don't know and it can be really tough to break in so you know, whilst we like to sit here and conjecture about why and, and players aren't getting picked on the rest of it, we, we, really, we really don't know. But there we go. Uh, I thought I'd share that with you because it was a really interesting interview. Um, just to move it on a bit, I mean, because talking about England is, is something that we we've hardly ever do on the Chelsea fan cast because we've just got so bored of it over the world. Well, we've been doing it for 11 years, so go figure. I have to say, though, Clayton, I've, I've been... Uh, more enthused by it than I, than I have for a long time. You know, basically the fact that we have had a break from Chelsea and also that England have been really good and interesting. So, you know, I think that's interesting in itself. And I'm wondering if that has a lot more to do with, you know, Chelsea. It's been a hard slog this season for all the reasons that we bore people with every week. But also England have been good. And, and the other thing I'm thinking of is is that this whole idea about the international break being a help or a hindrance. I mean, what I'm saying, in a very long roundabout way, is maybe it's been a help for the supporters, but I wonder if it's been a help for the players.
1: Um, I think that's a really hard one to call. I mean, I can... Yeah, I I, I mean, the fact that they couldn't go out and rectify that bloody awful performance against Everton... um, on a Thursday night, the following Thursday or the following Saturday, um, may have been a bad thing. I think from the supporters' point of view, um, it, it perhaps dissipated some of the absolute negativity that's coming, you know, that that, that everybody's feeling um, towards the club at the moment. Well, I say everybody, well, certainly most people I know at the moment. Um, but unfortunately, what with have um, Callum starting this evening. That's just going to stoke it up again um, with people obviously having a pop at Sarri. Um And I, d- I don't know. I mean, I, I mean, as far as the break is concerned, I mean, nobody likes international breaks. I mean, this is a, a quite ridiculous time to actually have it, but um, it happens every season, and we always say this is a ridiculous time. Um, I don't know. As far as Chelsea is concerned, I think we're in we're in a right old state. Um, and I don't think it would have made any difference had we played the following weekend or, or, or the international break. I mean, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's great to see England playing decent football and a coach who's actually willing to to trust youth. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, still rather watch Chelsea play.
0: Well, I think that, that goes absolutely without saying. But I, I just kind of think that, I, actually, I think the break's come at a good time for us, because I think it was, you know, building up to a bit of a head of steam, Joe. You know, as Clayton said, the negativities. You know, it, you, I'm very conscious of it, uh, but I kind of agree. I I don't think it's ever a good time for the players because I always panic about you know key players getting injured as they often do around this time, don't they?
3: Yeah, I mean you you've seen it with with Derry for Tottenham. I think they've got Liverpool next, pretty big game for them, and, and he's uh, apparently been a bit of a, an injury doubt. So. Yeah, I mean, you, you don't really want to see players coming back uh, picking at any you know any kind of small knock, let alone a knock that maybe rules them out of a, an important fixture. And I, I think you're right. I mean, I, I think it's been quite a welcome break. I, I saw some you know quite funny tweets of uh, over the weekend saying, you know, oh, I wonder what element is is missing from this weekend to, ru- to to kind of ruin it for myself. So, yeah, you know, I, I think I think the supporters needed a bit of a break. The Everton performance was, yeah, just just abject. You know, n- not sort of delving back into it, but it, it was one of the one of the, the sort of the, the worst performances I've had, you know, kind of sort of recall us have that's, that whole capitulation in the second half was, was insane. Um, yeah. It, you know, I think, I think also the, the touching a little bit upon England there, I think it's right. You know, in some ways, maybe they, they mirror what what needs to happen at Chelsea, you know, in a sort of injection of, yeah. of youth, a little bit of a, a less of a constrained attitude, maybe a little bit more of a realistic attitude from, from the fans and, and an approach to the, the way that we play the game. Um, and England seem to be reaping the benefits. And I, I, I kind of agree, you know, this is the first time in, in absolute ages that I'm actually watching qualifying games. You know, I just used to watch the, the tournaments mainly. So I've actually got a general interest in, mm. in watching how this young team performs. So, yeah, I mean, I think, it, I think it can be both. I think for Chelsea, the players, it's probably a hindrance. They probably wanted to get back in and try and readdress the, the Everton result. But I think for the fans, it's been a big help. Mm.
0: Jonathan, what say you, my friend? Would you agree with that? Um... <coughs>
2: I've I've enjoyed watching England, but just because they they uh, I'm so used to them being dire that um, suddenly there's uh, you know i I want them to do well and uh, I'm I'm also keen on watching the system. He, he seems to the, the, the players just seem to revolve. He just seems to get newer and younger players in all the time, which is 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 quite remarkable that they then perform which is great testament to the, uh, I think, to their experience of having done so well in these youth competitions. It means they're not actually scared of um, of the environment. There was a uh, an article in the paper this morning about Steve <coughs> Gerrard being picked at 19 for England and um, um, uh, having to, to phone... Um, one of his uh, mates playing for England, I think it was uh, Callaghan, just to ask him to, to to accompany him downstairs because he was he was shitting himself, as he put it. Actually, to to meeting all the England players, whereas this lot just seemed to be completely unafraid. So it's actually very refreshing. I mean, I'm I'm um, and we have to get into perspective though. I I, I think um, Czech weren't ter- Czech Republic weren't terribly good, but uh, you know, we keep making this excuse for Chelsea playing in the in the Europa League aren't very good. And you keep thinking, yeah, but they're still taking him to pieces and he's playing with players who he then doesn't select for the, for the first team in the league side is what we said the other day. You think perhaps he should have just given in completely to the team that won um, uh, five nil the other day and put them all in the, in the yeah. first team for, the, for a Saturday. And they would have, they would probably take everything to the cleaners. Um, but yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm really enjoying watching England for the first time for ages. I used, used to re- never watch it, record it, come home, and then watch it at um, you know six times or twelve times the proper speed, and then realise that we played dreadfully and lost. So uh, um, you know I, I'm, I'm uh, you know good on him, fantastic. I think it's uh, it's it's great to have uh, everybody winning, and it's interesting to see that he, he, everybody else is winning. Northern Ireland are winning, and Wales are winning. You wonder whether this is a a distinct reaction to the political situation at the moment. Well, at least we've got something happening on the sporting front.
0: you know. Well, you we know, even Scotland beat San Marino, so. There yes,
2: only just though, but at least they did. Yes.
0: I just called them Sa- San Marino. That was a bit of a Freudian slip, wasn't it? San Marino, of course, the great mighty San Marino. Right, oh, okay. What, Jonathan? You
2: no, know, I'm saying you. Yeah, you did. It was yes. I did. Can't it's weird. Get, can't uh, get, can't Away from uh,
0: jose yeah. all right okay part two coming up uh, and we're going to have a, a proper old roundup of all the chelsea news from the week and uh, to see really if we can discern fact from fiction because i feel feel there were some rather spurious stories coming out uh, so was it all just fake news or is there no smoke without fire when it comes to chelsea and uh, with all the negativity around uh, about chelsea at the moment uh, we're going to take stock and uh, have a look to see one of the good things about supporting Chelsea is we're trying to be positive tonight. You know, no, there's no football to talk about, so we've got nothing really to moan about. So there we go. We can be positive. And on that note, hopefully, uh, JK is going to take us uh, for a trip down memory lane and talk about some of his favourite Chelsea matches, players, and people. We'll see you in a sec. The
2: only place for Chelsea fans.
0: FootballFanCast.com, real fans, real opinions.
2: I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to Chidge and the Boys on the Chelsea Football FanCast. Total nutters and proper
0: Chels. Right, welcome back. Uh, I'm Stamford Chidge, of course, and you are listening to the Chelsea FanCast on a monday night uh and uh, with the mixler peeps uh listening to what we have to say and uh talking talk to themselves Although they're a bit quiet tonight i think they've all sneaked off to watch the england game you know you can listen to this and watch the england game trust me who knows where they are maybe with maybe they think we weren't going to do a show i don't know uh anyway um A quick shout-out for the website. Uh, Check it out, chelseafancast.com. Lots of great stuff goes up there every week. And a couple of things I need to shout-out on, actually. The first thing, of course, is uh, the Football Blogging Awards. Uh, And a massive, 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 massive thank you to all of you who voted for us in the Football Blogging Awards. Uh, We feel very blessed to get so much support for the show. Uh, The nomination voting has now finished. Uh, Finished last night at 11.59. And uh, with a bit of luck... And through your help, we'll get enough votes to be nominated as a finalist. And the finalists will be announced on April the 3rd. So back just over a week's time. And uh, if we are nominated as a finalist, then annoyingly for you, I'm very sorry about this, but we'll all have to go through the voting process again. uh, And we'll need your help to vote for us and get the vote out even more so that we can win it. Uh, We've made the final every year but last year. So it'll be intriguing to see if we make it this year, because I have, I have a feeling I put in a little bit more effort to to get you all to vote, but we shall see. If not, I'm just going to say bollocks to it. I'm not going to waste our time anymore. And if we don't get even get as a, you know, nominated as a finalist, but do you know what? I really I, I care, but I don't care, if you see what I mean. I mean, basically, the only validation we ever need is that we enjoy doing the show, and you lot out there enjoy listening to it, and your feedback will always mean way more... Than uh getting a you know bloody award or anything that's just that's just so I can wind up other people really anyway uh, now <clears throat> talking of good things that we do uh, which i'm I'm really delighted we've been involved with this actually. This is the Hyundai extra mile competition uh, the latest Hyundai extra mile winner has been announced it's a lad called Robbie McHarg from uh, Edinburgh and he travels the length of the country and beyond to watch Chelsea play and Robbie's dedication to the blues has seen him travel by bus. ...across the continent, quite literally on the road to European glory. Now, Robbie's first European adventure was in 2013, where he travelled almost a 1,000 miles by bus to the game... ...for the UEFA Europa League semi-final against FC Basel. Uh, And luckily, uh, Chelsea repaid his determination, as you all remember, with a 2-1 win secured with a last-minute winner... And after flying back to Edinburgh following the midweek game, Robbie then headed to London that weekend to watch Chelsea beat Swansea at Stamford Bridge. So he covered 3,000 miles in just five days. And, of course, he was back on the road again for the Europa League final and he travelled by bus again to Amsterdam to see Chelsea crowned Europa League champions when they beat Benfica 2-1 in the final. And Robbie celebrated the last-minute winner before hopping back on the bus to Scotland, claiming it was all worth it. So there you go. Now, the Extra Mile uh, celebrates supporters, Chelsea supporters by acknowledging the lengths they go to to follow their team every month. Uh, the competition will reward the most dedicated fans with club prizes, including match tickets and club merchandise. And at the end of the season, one of the monthly winners will win the ultimate prize for any football fan, uh, and that's the opportunity to travel across Europe to watch one of Hyundai's partner clubs in action, uh, Chelsea, uh, of course, obviously, AS Roma, uh, what else? Atletico Madrid and Hertha Berlin. Now, to enter, to enter, fans simply need to visit the website on uh, basically just go to https uh, colon forward slash forward slash blog dot dot co dot uk forward slash the hyphen extra hyphen mile and, uh, and then you basically go on there tell your story about how you've gone the extra mile of sport of Chelsea uh, the link can be found also on our on our Twitter feed it's pinned to the top and our Facebook page it's pinned to the top there so it's easiest to find it through there I suspect uh, and then what you need to do, you need to tell your story in 400 characters or less and upload an image showing your passion for Chelsea and for a chance to win the prizes such as the match tickets and the merch. And uh, uh, sadly, we couldn't do it this month, but also, you, you also get an opportunity to get interviewed by me, uh, which gets played out on the Chelsea fan course, which is quite fun. Uh, some people who've done it have been really chuffed to have that done, as are we, cause it's always interesting hearing their stories. Jonathan, I was uh, reminded, actually, hearing about Robbie's uh, you know, his adventures following Chelsea, of uh, my mate Psycho Phil, who went to uh, to watch Chelsea play Athens. No, they played Real Madrid in Athens. Idiot. They went to play Real Madrid in Athens for the Euro- European Cup Winners' Cup in 71, and he was about 17 at the time, and he had to hitch there, and of course had to stay because the final was re- replayed. So he had nowhere to stay, and he slept on a beach, and then he hitched back to London, and it took him a week to hitch back. So that's going the extra mile, isn't it? My goodness me!
2: But um, what do you do when you hit? How, how long is it? God, they're hitching back from a foreign country like that with clearly very little money about his person. Being said. Yeah. God.
0: Oh, they were no, none of them had any money, and of course they they had to sleep on the beach because they'd probably drunk the money that they'd had. I mean, I I heard from. Uh, your mate, John Hollins, he was telling me that a load of fans were staying in, in the players' rooms. It was absolutely mad. Can you imagine that happening now? Not going to oh, happen.
2: Oh, never, ever.
0: Anyway, it's great fun, this thing. And I think maybe this could be it could be the last month next month, OK? So if you haven't entered this or you want to enter this and, and you know, get a chance to get some tickets to a Chelsea game. So if you don't get the chance to go because you can't get tickets, you haven't got a season ticket, this is a good way to try and win some tickets and also you get to be on the Chelsea fan cast which would be great i mean I, we we all love it when you do so you really need to to get in your you know stories right now because i think april's the last month for it so there you go so uh you just just tell them have you how you've gone the extra mile in support of chelsea very simple right okay now back down to the football um just as just as a short head count uh this week i think it started on monday uh, with, uh, you know, post-Everton, with the rumours abounding that Sarri uh, was going to be sacked that day, that the board had met and spoken with Roman uh, to discuss uh, Sarri's future. Uh, and, of course, I, I wonder, actually, I'll, I'll ask this in a minute, but uh, I'll remind me to I'll re-ask you this, about actually the international break may well have helped Sarri with no games, the heat taken off him. But anyway, then there was a story about two days later saying the fans are all boycotting Stamford Bridge because uh, apparently uh, there are massive empty spaces, even though the picture that they used was the away end. Uh, and also um, there was the issue that no, none of the journalists, I think it was the Mail, the Mail Online had this story, basically saying that we've all had enough of salary, we can't stand the football, it's absolutely part of shit, we can't be bothered to go, and there are 400 tickets for sale on the ticket exchange for the Burnley match. Of course, completely omitting to say, oh, well, of course, you know, Two of these matches that they're talking about being moved to Monday nights. One of them is Easter Monday, and actually, I know most Chelsea fans completely brassed off with the fact that all of their matches always get changed to stupid times. So there was that, and then just to cap it all, you know, because they hadn't quite, you know, put enough bogus journalism in there, the old rumor, the the story that always comes round once every international break, uh, was that Roman Abramovich is selling the club again. Uh, so there we go. Oh, and I forgot to add, because I forgot this one, but there's another one, which, of course, is that not only is hudson uh being sold to Bayern Munich, he's actually probably going to be sold to Liverpool or Man United as well. Anyway, my point being, um, what a load of arse gravy is what I would say on face value, but there, there is always that element with Chelsea, uh, Joe, that you just never know, do you? You know, sometime there is no smoke <clears throat> without fire. So what, what's your take on those four stories? <laughs>
3: It's quite a broad question. Um, I mean, I think the, the, interesting, the interesting one for me was sorry potentially going. Um, you know, there were you know there, there were a lot of rumours. I think pre the the City Cup final and then the Tottenham game that, that that might have been sort of the stretch where he potentially gets sort of removed from from his position. I thought the the the, the capitulation against Everton, you know, leading into an international break. If if he was going to go this season, then then that would have been the time to do it. You get a manager in, you give him what, well, uh, almost two weeks to, to get their feet in and figure out a system or whatever that they can play towards the end of the season. So, again, I think, you know, th- there has probably been some underlying truth to the club, maybe not being super happy with sorry, but I think it all comes back to the the point that they, they maybe can't find a, a caretaker until the end of the season. You know, if they're looking at a, a new manager, maybe that person wants to be appointed permanently. Maybe they, they just can't find the right fit. And, you know, again... I think it all leads back to whether the club feel that sorry can could win the Europa League. So you know there there must be so many different factors into that. In terms of sort of fans boycotting Stamford Bridge, I mean I think you've pretty much hit that one on the head there, cheer I mean yes, there are lots of uh, lots of tickets on the exchange, but there that's you know that's happened multiple times you know through through the course of, of various seasons since they've had the exchange there. You know we seem to have these very peculiar kickoff times and and, and games being changed at the last minute, in over the Easter weekend. Sometimes people just know just don't particularly want to want to go they have family commitments etc and and you know the, the sale rumors again you know I mean it, it kind of pops up almost every time Chelsea have a have a sort of bad patch now that you know Roman will be selling the club I, I'm very much of the of the opinion of, of things that I've, I've heard from people who work in the industry that he's he's really got no intention of selling the club even for, for some of the fees that you've seen you know thrown around um yeah, you know and, and if he wanted to have sold the club he, he, he could quite easily have sold it for now and, and you know made two two three times his money given the the reported bid so you know I, I don't think he has intention of selling the club um, I, I can't see that happening sort of you know any time sort of in the near future and just looking at the script you know, in terms of what his legacy will be I mean it, that that's impossible to quantify you know I mean he is Pretty much single-handedly fulfilled every single dream of every Chelsea fan. Let, let,
0: let's park, let's park that legacy yeah. one until later because that, that, that that's a bit more meaty. But yeah. it's interesting, isn't it? I, I, what do you what do you think about Hudson, odoi Liverpool, and United being in for him? Because that's suddenly come out of nowhere.
3: Well, I, I knew in January, and this is from a, a couple of friends who were agents that it wasn't just by Munich keyword I mean, they they were the ones who who made a bid, but they weren't the only team that had a lot of. Concrete interest in him, and, and yeah. or more
0: to the point, it wasn't the only club that his brothers touting him out to.
3: Kind of, yeah. I mean, I, I think Unic were, were probably interested beforehand. I know Juventus had a had a pretty significant interest in him as well. Um, and again, I mean, if you're looking at uh, any kind of domestic side now, you know, you you want to bring in some some English young English talent. You know, you've got a lot of uh, quotas to fill and stuff like that. I can see him being linked to pretty much every every club going. I, I don't think there's much concrete domestically. I think the Munich link is still the real tangible one, but I'd be very, very surprised if he ended up at somewhere like United or Arsenal or or, or any other sort of domestic club, to be honest.
2: Mm, I think the fans would go mad if that happened though, wouldn't they? there (coughs) would be a meltdown of everybody if he got sold to United or, or Liverpool. Yes. Yeah. It would be absolutely appalling.
3: Um, I was,
2: I was bemused to see that the, the observer always asks some bloke from Chelsea supporters group or something I've never heard of, um, to make comments about the season, and um, so far, and he was really in the uh, you know the the fag munching tramp uh, fraud world. Which Jonathan, is, well,
1: Jonathan, do you know, Jonathan, it's Tritza. Yes. It's not a bloke. It's Tritzer. Tritzia Tritzia It always is in the Observer. They always ask, yeah, they her, ask her.
2: But she came actually then even had a go at the pies. <laughs> They've got vegan pies," she said, and uh, and I and I think this is just one step too far. And I thought, well, you know, if we're, we're really throwing the the pies against the wall in this, industry, <laughs> the you know, game's gone. Some of them stick. If this is what this is what we stoop to, that not only is saying the season is appalling, he has to go, but also the food has now become unbearable. Well, that's just the, the well, end of it. I've but, got um, to
0: say, mate, I'm going to have a word with Tricia because I, you know, you don't get bloody vegan pies where I sit.
2: No, indeed. Well, she must be sitting in the posh seat. No, she sits
0: in the front of the east middle.
2: Well, then, well, then, well, well, there we have it. Or east upper, should I say, east upper. Yeah, they probably have them in uh, up there because we have them, obviously, uh, because we have every conceivable bird available in where I sit, anything obscure. Um, uh, But also the other thing was um, uh, a bloke, (laughs) which you believe uh, the bloke who serves Aussies, who's the the sort of organiser. Um, I said, uh, any truth in the rumour that Roman's selling? And he said, yes, yes, 3.5. Yes, absolutely, he's
0: selling next week. And, uh, <laughs> this oh, is well, where the papers we... get their stories from, is it?
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, yeah, and that was about three weeks ago. A source
0: from Chelsea said.
2: Yes, yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. That's whenever I quote that. It's this bloke who I have no trust in whatsoever because he's got such a stupid haircut. So I, can't, <laughs> I can't believe it. But... Um, um, and what was the other point I wanted to make? What was the third one we were talking about? Um, uh, yeah, the um, the yeah, As I said, I think the, the the problem I'm having with the whole the, the whole uh, Sarri going business is that it's beginning to make more and more sense to me that if if all these players then express themselves brilliantly, like Hazard playing wonderfully um, in for Belgium, and it, it just makes you realise, well, uh, yeah, this is just it. We're we're buying decent players. And are not divine. We've got very decent players who are probably like Barkley. They've, they, you know, he's he's very capable of playing as well as he did in bursts for Everton. And yet he completely is. We've talked about it before. The straight the straight jacket. He is completely in Sarri's straitjacket. He completely runs these little lines <clears throat> and and just just you can see him being constricted by what he's been told to do. And you don't see what he did for England the other night. It makes you appreciate that. Uh, Um, Southgate just allows them to play with much more freedom. Is Southgate playing um, three at the back at the moment? Is he playing... uh, Yeah. uh, Right, yeah. Because in in actual fact, perhaps, you know, ultimately somebody would come back in and just get Chelsea playing that way again and everybody would express themselves. Because it seems to me that Hazard in the second half of the Everton game was just completely uninvolved and trying possibly to play this straitjacket stuff. And whereas him breaking from defence and breaking from that... um, That set up with the the three in defence and the two overlapping wingers, um, uh, full backs, just suits him much more. And I think i was trying to work out what Belgium played. Did they play three at the back as well or were they playing two up? Because it seems to be that every other system that we watch, the ball is passed more quickly than the way that we do it. And it's not that our players are bad. So I'm I'm slowly coming round to, you know, I'd love, I would have loved Sarri's way to play to be... uh, the one that we actually had but i don't reckon any of the players can play it so uh, mm. unless he comes up with an enormous compromise I, I i can't see it having but um uh you know um uh, the the uh, the boycotting business is just ludicrous as you say i find that that picture of the away end with nobody in it being held up as an example of people not appearing was just Oh, com- absolutely. Well,
1: two, I, I... two two words, Jonathan. Yeah. yeah. Daily and Mail. Yeah. I know. Well, actually
0: I Mail Online, which is probably even worse. Well. I think actually there's a good point that's being made here. I think Joe kicked this off, um, and which is that if 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 Sarri was going to go, I think the international break would have been the time to do it. So my suspicions are, uh, as they have always been, is that he's not going anywhere unless and until. We don't finish in the top four, and we don't winish, uh, We don't finish. We don't win the uh, the Europa League, and of course, you know, I suspect what will happen, if anything, either we will. Well, let's the, the 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 way I see it, I think is that we will probably be more likely to be out of the top four before our run in the Europa League is concluded. All right, so there's a chance that we might make it till April in the Europa League. And then, and then, if we if we don't get if we don't you know if we get knocked out like say in the semi final, then in a sense, well, what's the point of firing him then? You know, the season will already be over, and we're not going to be in the Champions League anyway. It's just so anyway, it's all a bit of a muddle as it always is at Chelsea, right? Let's let's go back to this idea about Roman selling the club. I mean, I, you know, I I like like you lot. You know, I've got my contacts, and uh, I, I'm assured that Roman is interested and, and excited. And in love with Chelsea, as he always has been, I think he's got the right royal hump with the British government, which is why he's not been over here. Haven't um, we all? We well, indeed we have, Jonathan. But, uh, you know, th- there are issues to do with his visa and stuff, which is what's keeping him away. Um, now, I mean, you know, I've also heard equally... I mean, it's interesting to hear what Joe was saying, actually, because Joe's quite close to what happens in the city. But um, I've, e- I've also heard that, you know, if if somebody came along with the right money, £3 billion, then he might well consider selling it. And we've also heard that he, he certainly won't sell it to anybody British. So the the plot really thickens, and I think this is what happens. You get all these Chinese whispers going on, and, and nobody knows. What I will say, though, which is interesting... Now, I know I'm only going via what I, I read on Twitter, which is, um you know, really not advisable, people. You know, put your mobile phone down, turn off your Twitter, and get a life. Unless, of course, you're reading Chelsea FanCast posts. That's allowed. But... um. You know, I've seen more negativity about Roman this season than I have since he joined. And I mean, I, I can't really say where it's from because I think it would be unfair just to say, oh, it's, you know, the 13-year-old Virgins who were who, uh, very much of the Sarri Inn Brigade. I don't really believe that's true because it never is. You know, you get people from all sorts of factions coming up with this stuff. But I've definitely seen more negativity. And that kind of led me to think, well, you know, let, 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 let's say he did sell the club. Uh, you know, what would his legacy be, Clayton? I think Joe
1: said it. You can't quantify what his legacy is. I mean, can I just go just step back before I answer that question? Is it you talking about the um, negativity towards Roman? You know, it's 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 a lot like when John Terry retired, when Frank Lampard left, and they did something that you perhaps didn't approve of, like going to Man City or JT going to Villa or whatever. These guys. Don't have to explain themselves to us anymore. They can do what they like. They they have created their own legend. And if Roman sold tomorrow, and I I I just you know I I would have nothing but the ultimate gratitude for what he's done for the club. Now, I think a lot of the negativity is the fact that people are looking at Sarri. And looking at the fantastic managers that we've binned, who basically Sari couldn't hold a candle to. And they're saying, well, you got rid of these tremendous managers, but you're keeping this guy, who's basically in seven months not proven anything at all and not done anything which, I mean, it's not healthy to keep sacking managers, but it has been for us. So I think it's a valid question for people to say, well, you know, Carlo Ancelotti, what did he do wrong? Not a lot. He lost to to, uh, Jose and and basically that was unforgivable. Um, So I think that is where some of the negativity is. I think the fact that the club is, you know, the, the face of the club at the moment is Marina and she's not a football person. Now, every one of us is, is, not every one of us, people are saying she doesn't know this, she doesn't know that. We don't know. We haven't got a bloody clue. We don't know what she does. We don't know who's advising her. There might be football people advising her. The way the club is being run at the moment, it's probably unlikely, but we don't know. It's all speculation. Um, you know, why haven't we got a director of football? Bottom line is that everybody knows that all major decisions are Roman. It doesn't matter. People talk about the board, talk about the Marina and this, that and the other. It's Roman. And we've known this and we've said it on here and we said it on the radio and all the rest of it. Anybody who thinks it's anything else is deluded. Now, the fact is that we don't know what's going on with Roman at the moment. He has got the ask to this country and this government. And as we have all discussed, absolutely has every right to um, the amount of money that he's put into this country and the tax and employment and all the rest of it. It's hard to know what he had to do more than that. And he's made a decision. And Chelsea is not top of his priority. I'm sure he still loves the club. I'm sure he still wants us to do well. But at the moment, I suspect it's not up there with everything that he wants to do. But as far as his legacy is concerned, it's, you know, if I never went to another Chelsea game or, you know, if we ended up in in the panorama in five years' time, what he's given me in the last 15 years is more than I could ever imagine. And I'm just eternally grateful.
0: Very, very well said, Clayton. And I, I echo that entirely. I mean, uh, you know, without... I, I think it's a good... I, one thing I will say just to pick up on that, and, and this is a very good point, is that, in a sense, I, I read something somewhere, I can't remember who wrote it, so I for, forgive me if you're listening and blah, 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 but you know essentially uh, every single person on that board uh, really is a roman person they they had a relationship with him in business that predated chelsea and essentially their job is to do his bidding so clayton's got a point you know whatever happens at chelsea really happens because roman wants it and let's be honest here good decisions and bad and the the point that the person made, who in in the it could have even been a tweet, it could have been said for all I know, it may have been anyway. The point is, is that if if uh, Roman goes tomorrow, the chances are that the entire board would go because basically they work for Roman, they don't really kind of work for Chelsea. So it's an interesting issue, but. Uh, The reality is, I think that may be why there's some of the negativity, because, you know, some of the decision making at the club has been bewildering, to say the least, and perhaps we're suffering a little bit for it now. But here's the thing. Hang hang on one one second, just let me finish, because otherwise I'll I'll forget my train of thought. The reality is, is that uh, whether, um, you know, he goes or not, uh, you know, we... You know he's in, he's entitled to do what the hell he wants. This is the this is the thing that people forget, and it's easy for supporters to forget this because we very much see it as our club. It stopped being our club in July two thousand and three, because that's when Roman bought it, and it's his club. So he kind of does what he bloody well likes, because he certainly pays for it, and pay for it he certainly has. And as Clayton said, and I absolutely agree with this. You know we have seen this club do things in the last fifteen years that none of uh, my generation, Jonathan's generation, and Joe's generation. Would have ever thought imaginable, and I and and you can't thank this guy enough. Whatever happens in the future, you know what the ride he's given us in the last last fifteen years is unimpeachable in my book. Jonathan, sorry mate, I didn't mean. I just I knew I'd forget what I was going to say, so carry on.
2: No, I was going to say it was just it was the very fact that there is this this complete lack of information. We've discussed this before. The people are then. Back, yeah. But um, anyway, now, just saying, because there is no communication, we've talked about this before, because there's no spokesperson, because there's nobody giving any information at all. It's ripe for people to make things up. It's ripe for deductions that are negative, isn't it? It's ripe for people to come up with. I love something in Twitter this week where somebody came up with this is what we need to do, because also the transfer ban has now been um, they they're, they're, they're appealing it, aren't they? So it may never take place. But this guy was saying, here's the team to select um, under steve holland or whoever or frank for the summer for next season and uh, where do you think this lot are going to finish and i have to say there was an admirable response from a very large number of people who said things like 13th and 17th and relegated and it was all every single chelsea youth you could imagine was was stuck in it with no nobody picked at all from the current practically from the current first 11 which of course is is completely absurd but um um, uh, I've now
0: forgotten the second point I was going to make cause well, if, I'll tell you if, what, hold, hold yeah, that yeah. thought because uh, basically Montenegro have scored, so they're 1-0 up against England and I have to be honest uh, that it was a very Chelsea-like goal to concede because the bloke just wandered through about five players and, and whacked a shot off that Pickford couldn't stop and I have to be equally honest and say one of the players he waltzed past who put in a very lame attempt at a tackle was Callum Hudson Odoi, I shall leave that with you Jonathan, do you remember what you were going to say? nah nah Nah. all right okay well let's let's just move on because uh you know i'm very aware of the fact that i mean you know look we're not going to sugarcoat stuff if we're pissed off we're going to say so it's kind of the point really of doing a show that's unfettered by you know editorial constraints or demands um but i kind of thought you know amidst all of this negativity because there's been no match uh to talk about to speak of um you know maybe it it is a bit easy to forget sometimes that you know there are really good things about the club uh and there are really good reasons why we support it and and will do you know doesn't matter as as Clayton said even if we're in the vanarama league we'll go along you know so the question is why what are these good things what are the positives about chelsea joe <laughs> this season um well, I mean, generally, I don't th- I don't mean it to be specific. I don't yeah. mean it to say, I, the question is not, can you pick out any positives from what's happened on the pitch this season? It's really, generally, you know, we forget these things, I think, in the midst of the maelstrom of uh, being beaten by Everton and whatever, and, you know, getting wrapped up in that day-to-day <clears throat> news cycle, which fires shit at you 24-7. If we stay, take a step back about away from that, you know, why we're we passionate about Chelsea still. What are the many good things there that we forget when hit with all of that stuff,
3: I think probably my my favourite thing about the club, and it has been since I was a boy, basically, is the is sort of this continual relationship that Chelsea have with a lot of ex players, and you know you get the sense, particularly with the, the, the team that I grew up watching, sort of the Di Matteos, Hughes, Petraszky, Viali, that sort of era, moving into sort of the early two thousands teams, Banker, Johnson, etc we seem to have a, a capacity to draw particularly overseas players into the club and it, its kind of e-force mentality and maybe sort of that culture that's been established by sort of Dennis Wise since sort of the early 90s. And that kind of thread really seems to, to carry on to this day. I mean, you see even now, you know, players like Hilario working at the club, Paulo Ferreira, Tori Andre, Flo, sort of this, this whole kind of generation of, of, of players who have become kind of indoctrinated into this sort of Chelsea way. I think that that always has been one of the things that struck me. Even when you look at you, you know really, really unbelievable world class players like Rude Hullet, you know he is such a let's say uh, you know he's quite biased towards Chelsea in terms of his punditry. You know he's he's very effusive towards the club. You know Michael Ballack, you know he's basically like a professional Chelsea fan these days. You know we, we have this this ability to kind of draw, particularly these sort of you know these kind of overseas players into the club and kind of indoctrinate them, and and that relationship that we generate with them is it's pretty special and i think that that's been one of the the things that i've always loved about about chelsea is how we can we kind of create this ethos and it's even sort of to this day you know okay maybe you know there are some questions about the mentality of the current squad but there's still there's still some of that sort of mentality there you could see it when we beat tottenham you know, the, the the man city cup final there was a few kind of last vestiges of that sort of mentality there and i think that that probably for me you know as i said kind of really growing up under Roman, I suppose, you know, I was sort of, what, 15, 14, 15, 16 when he bought the club. So watching that sort of, you know, that Chelsea kind of grow into this sort of dominant side, just that whole relationship that these players got with the club, maybe it was with, with Terry and Lampard and all these sorts of players kind of bringing people in. But to this day, I, I still find that absolutely fascinating when, you know, I, I saw a, uh, what was it, a, a, a Tottenham legends kind of, you know, squad that were going to open the stadium up. I literally couldn't recognise three names. And it's not because I, you know, I'm not. I'm not a huge, uh, you know, Tottenham legends fan. But literally, you know, if you if you were to do the the similar for Chelsea, you know, you, there would be like an absolute ton of world class players coming back to, to play for the club. So, It'd you know, fair, for all of you'd this. You'd have to
2: go back. You'd have to go back to 1960 to find any Tottenham legends. Sure. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Exactly. Yeah. But it it seems to be that this you know this this kind of culture that we've established just seems to to continue on and on. And I think you know looking for a positive, it's this just yeah this, the the relationships that we create with players amongst fans. With players who play for the club, that seems to just be kind of, yeah, like never ending. And and I think that for me is, is one of the good things that I really do love about the club.
0: Excellent response, Joe. That's just what I wanted. I didn't expect that. Something different. Clayton, how about you, mate?
1: I don't understand the question.
0: Well, okay, let me try it again. <laughs> uh, I know, I know, I know you're having a beer, mate. So I know it might be a bit of a struggle. But uh, no, I'm
1: I, not. I, t- no, the only, the only reason I can't understand the question is because I can't think. I I can't answer it because I couldn't couldn't support anybody else. I can't compare it to anything. And and when you say...
0: So why do you then? Why what? Support the club.
1: I don't know. It's really interesting, actually, because um, Danny Baker, who over the years has shown his utter contempt and hatred for um, Chelsea, but he is in some respects a very entertaining man, when he was talking about Millwall, he just basically said, why do I go? I can't explain it. I just go because I have to because that's that's in my DNA. Um Nick Hornby when he was writing the, that fantastic fever pitch, and he basically said he couldn't understand why he had to be there on a wet Wednesday night for a match that didn't mean anything, but he knew he had to be there because if he wasn't there he might miss something. It's insane. Following a football club makes no logical sense if you did, you know, you look at the rest of your life what you do in your life and you know decisions you make none of them but none of them you know the, the compared to the decisions you make when it comes to Chelsea I mean it is just it's a way of life I can't I can't imagine not supporting them I can't imagine supporting anybody else um as much as you know when people say oh boycotting and all the rest of that nonsense, which the other thing, which also on that Monday night, um, there's no district line as well on the Easter Monday night. So that's just another thing the Daily Mail didn't uh, mention. Um, It's, I mean, this season's awful. It's absolutely awful. And, you know, you're sitting there and you're watching the team against Everton. It was a typical Chelsea performance and Jonathan's older than me, but I mean, you know, I mean, there are there are times when you turn the telly on if you're not there, and you watch a game, and you just know, you just know from a certain point, and you can't say why, that you're not going to get anything from the game, that you're going to you're going to lose it, and that Everton game was no different. I couldn't ever, see, even when we were dominating, I couldn't see us winning it. And well, it's okay? So why didn't I turn it off? You know, if I'm watching a film I don't like, I turn that off. And I'm watching Chelsea. And I watched it until the bitter end. I watched it until the referee blew his whistle, even though I knew that we weren't going to win. There is no logical explanation. So if you're looking at positives supporting Chelsea, I love the club. That's that's my positive. That mm. Everything about it I love. Even moaning about it I love.
0: <laughs> Fair, well put, mate. You know,
1: and, yeah. and it, it will never be any other way. And the day I stop feeling that is the day... Probably they now they nail the lid down
0: mm absolutely spot on what about you j k uh,
2: I have a certain affinity with Clayton really i don't there was a one wonder- you love Clayton, not it, Chelsea I love Clayton and not chelsea um, I had a area <laughs> where um I had the option <clears throat> to support Wolverhampton Wanderers because i liked the old gold shirts, we talked about that they haven't got them now of course they've got that strange yellow which they're all complaining about as well and i bought one much to my dad's despair because you could buy them you could buy little umbro shirts even in 1960 and uh, and i bought one and he had been taking me uh, and he carried on taking me to, to queen's park rangers and fulham and um uh, I clearly had to make my mind up who I wanted to support because he, he said to me that it would be a bit foolish supporting Wolves. They're in the Midlands and I'd have to make an enormous journey, whereas I could just wander up the road with him and watch Chelsea. And I preferred the blue shirts. And um, uh, I then uh, I just made a decision. Once I think Chelsea were doing better than Fulham at the time and Rangers were in the third division. So I thought, all right, I'll support Chelsea. And from then on, it was completely in my blood. It was just like one day I thought, well, I better support Chelsea then, and then that was it. I was completely hooked, <coughs> um, and I, I don't, I don't, I don't know where it came from. I don't, it was up the road; it was the nearest. Um, I loved football. I enjoyed playing football. Um, so it, it, it's something that you just—you. It's when someone I've got a friend who says to me, um, "I'm supporting uh, Newcastle and Manchester this year." You just want to think, what, what is what is wrong with them? What? Where do they get that from? You know, what's how can they possibly do that? Of course, you have to get stick with one team, and you're what well, you're stuck with them. They're there, they're in. Unless, of course, I suppose you go abroad and then you watch another team, and they can be your second team. It's justified because you can't. Well, it's not justified anymore because you can watch your team all the time on television now. But um, in the past, mates would say, "I've gone to live in Italy, and I don't get the opportunity to watch Chelsea anymore. So I'm now a, a Roma supporter. But I'll come back and watch Chelsea when I can. That's forgivable. But in this instance, you you're You've chosen. It's been chosen. It wasn't even chosen for you in this instance. It was hinted. It was hinted. <coughs> he didn't say, "I'm going to uh, um, uh, remove you from my will if you don't support the other team." If you go and support another team, but um, uh, in this instance, it was obvious. I enjoyed going with my dad. I enjoyed being associated with him. I enjoyed that we could talk about the about the game. Um, and uh, now I'm I'm uh, as as Clayton says, I'm completely the same. I will. Watch all the way through despite knowing that they're not going to get a goal. I'm finding it very easy this season to say, hmm, there are 43 minutes left of the second half and we're not going to score. Which, and everybody says to me, Oh, I sit next to you, um, you're a complete pessimist. And I go, No, 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 I've watched football for so long. I, I know what's going to happen here. <laughs> they're not going to manage it. Um, but uh, yeah, I, 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 it's, you are, it's 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 in your water, isn't it? It's in your nature. It's in your it, uh, yeah. I think it, it's not in your DNA because I had the opportunity to support other teams when I was little. But it's for me. It's in your. It, once it's established, you are you're there forever. And occasionally, see, once again, I suppose I, I've been a bit negative myself a couple of times this season i thought because the games have come so thick and fast as well i have thought oh my god i could just watch it on telly you go no i have to be there i've got to i've got my, my ticket i'm gonna go i've got to i've got to watch i've got to watch everything that goes on with it because as we've always said before it's not just the football it's going with people that you like it's the whole experience it's it's watching it's, de- it's deciding whether you're going to be right about your prediction. It's deciding that we're wondering who's going to play. It's, it's wanting somebody that you love watching to do well. It's wanting Hazard to do well. You know, I've been a <coughs> fan of Alonso last season. I um, thought he was wonderful. And uh, not, um, uh, uh, not as much last season, but the season before in particular. And to see him not play well has upset me. Because I, I associate with some of these players very much. You you see them, you feel that they're playing for you. They're playing for the team and for you. And when they don't, you want to wonder what's... You you, you want to analyse what's going on. You want to find out what's going on. Is it the manager? Is it them? What What is it? And it's that that, uh, that, that that gives you the interest in it. I just find the fact that it takes my life over so appalling. And I wish occasionally that I was rid of it. I actually think it's like a dreadful drug that I'm forced to, I'm addicted to completely. And... Uh, and so when the um, when the close season comes, I then think I'm free. I'm free of it, <laughs> and then I'm I'm stuck with cricket. And so it's exactly the same again. So I'm uh, I'm obsessed with that. So um, I- I'm wondering whether it's a I was going to say whether it's a particularly male thing and it's a kind of tribal testosterone thing. And it's <laughs> a beating the opposition. Yeah, I've got somebody that I'm, I'm I want. You know, we're this tribe and we're we're getting one over you. And then of course, there's so many women support football now rightly so that uh that's put that argument out of the window but um but no i am i'm, um, I'm uh, it, it's it's uh it's it's stuck to me for the rest of my life i have i have a mm. vision actually of attending chelsea when i'm a uh, hundred and going along to a game and um hoping to go along without the aid of a zimmer frame or a wheel, wheelchair but you never know or um, a
0: cholesterol bag even no
2: no I, luckily i don't think i'll have one of those
0: jolly good um Oh, that's beautiful, Jonathan. I feel I almost feel like weeping hearing that. It was uh, very moving. Uh, that, that was the only reason I felt like weeping. I hasten to add. Um, well, I, I
2: what, weeping into the colostomy
0: bag. I hope. Well, this is true. Oh, by the way, while you were chuntering along, uh, England equalised from a free kick on the right hand side, and I think uh, Michael Keane scored. So it's one all. Um, I think-
2: covered it beautifully then, didn't I? Would have been you lovely. did,
0: you yeah. did. But I'm really intrigued because we've all come out, well, I haven't come out with my answer yet, but you three have all come out with really different answers as to what it is. Uh, and and hopefully I can kind of, you know, uh, fill in the gaps there if, if in fact there are any. But I mean, you know, it, it, the other thing I would say, it's like family, it's like a marriage, you know. Once you're in it, you know, that's it. Uh, so perhaps not like a marriage then, but certainly like, <laughs> certainly like a family. You know, but it's, it's. It, I mean, I, I my experience is slightly different from yours because I, I had to work really hard to find Chelsea. I mean, my dad wasn't a Chelsea fan. I had nobody in the family who was, nobody who would take me to football. So I had to find my own way in a sense. But I, I get what you mean about having to be there, having to, to see it. And, and th- I mean, there is nothing, uh, nothing like being at a football match, even if it's rubbish. There's always a moment or two which takes your breath away or gets the blood, you know, pumping a bit faster even if it's just to be abusive to somebody there is nothing like the the live experience of watching football but more to the point watching the club with whom you have an emotional investment for and uh, you know please never take that away from me although of course reality sometimes has to bite and that's something that we all have to deal with And I think that's you know going back to what we were saying about the fans boycotting Stamford Bridge you know there are a lot of I mean, you know we all have other lives too you know and sometimes it gets in the way and You know, when you get dicked around by the TV companies changing the schedule all of the time, it makes life a bit harder. I mean, for example, myself this season, I've missed more matches this season than I have in 20 years uh, because I now do a lot of work at the weekends. And, uh, you know, thanks to Chelsea's matches being switched a lot, uh, I've missed one or two. I mean, luckily, I've got away with most of it, but uh, I've not done an away this season for the first time in years. So sometimes real life gets in the way. But actually, that's what makes you realise how much you miss it. And it's not just about the football, because you can you can swap that easily by watching it on the telly, and arguably you get a, a bit more or a different insight watching it on the telly. Personally, I hate watching Chelsea on the telly. I hate it because I feel I'm missing half the game, which in a sense you are when you're there because you don't see what is going through the camera. You see the whole the whole scenario going on. Um, the other thing I would say, which is irreplaceable, uh, and this is you know when one day I do hang up my Chelsea boots, this is the real irreplaceable bit, and and that's the whole. It's not just the ninety minutes. It's the whole day. It's meeting up with really good people. The things that have become real habit, you know, like going to the CFC UK store, you know, getting a few drinks inside, you meeting new people, seeing old friends. That whole experience, that whole day of the football. Is is irreplaceable, and you don't get that on the TV. Uh, and and ha- I have to say, you know, to kind of answer the question more accurately, you know, what's good about Chelsea? I I think there are one thing you will learn if you go every week, you know, on on, on a match day, you realize how many good people there are at that club, inside and out. Now I'm sure you can say that about every club, and it would be churlish of me not to to, to admit that, but. Uh, you know, they're a really good bunch. There's a good example of that. Sadly, I couldn't go on Saturday because I had something else to do. But uh, Kenny Rice had his had his fundraising due down at the Star at Gutter at Putney. Uh, at Putney and, you know, a whole gamut of Chelsea faces were there. Uh, and you just realise what a great bunch of people there are at Chelsea. And one of the things I've always loved about the football and, and Chelsea in particular is that ultimately it's a real, real hodgepodge and smorgasbord of people with different... You know, it, different degrees of intelligence, different views, different political views, different religions, different races, creeds, colours, you name it. There are people that you probably would never speak to outside of the football because you probably would think they're a complete arsehole and so on, so on, so on. But actually, you know, my experience with Chelsea is that everybody accepts you for who, who you are. They don't care where you come from, what your dad does, you know, what you do for a job. Who you voted for? None of that matters because basically you're all there for the same reason, which is to have a good time and support Chelsea. So it's in a sense it's become absolutely classless, and uh, you know there is no there is no you know difference is is put aside because you you're all blue, you know you all support Chelsea. I mean I know that sounds a bit you know dewy eyed, but there's a real truth to that. You know, I mean, for example, I've got quite a posh accent. I've never, I don't, I think I can maybe count on the fingers of one hand the number of times I've been called out on that. Nobody cares. You're there. If you support Chelsea, you're one of us, and that's it. That's all that matters. And, you know, that's a good thing about the club, and I, and I love them for that. And there are many, many more things besides. We could do a whole show on what's good about Chelsea. I just realised what a can of worms I've opened and how. Uh, over budget we already are and I tell you for something for now we are not doing a two and a half hour epic this week over my dead body so we're going to have a quick break and then when we come back we're going to pick up on some of John, Jonathan's uh, memory, memories of Chelsea because of course he's been going a lot longer than us and I for one would want to hear that we'll see you in a sec away days are great but there's nothing quite like playing at home the same goes for McDonald's maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery you in? Order now on the McDonald's app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. Chidge. JK! In all the years you've been following Chelsea, you hardly ever miss a match, home or away. But how would you feel if you couldn't be there and it's not on TV? Oh, Chidge, I- I'd be bereft, inconsolable, of the thought of missing my beloved Blue Boys live. <laughs>
2: fans real opinions i'm jason cundy and you're listening to the chelsea football fancast proper chelsea
1: football
0: welcome back to the chelsea fancast uh while we were off air well for those who are on mixler they'll they'll know that we were still on air but uh uh, basically England scored another one so it's now 2-1 to England and uh, it came off a fantastic run from Callum Hudson, the door who cut in from the left something we've seen before actually usually we see it on the right who pinged off a shot uh, didn't look as though it was going to go in it was curling in but hard to say but uh, Russ Barkley uh, got in the way and uh, put it away beautifully so there you go Chelsea goal what more can you want now um we kind of rabbited on a bit because I kind of opened a can of worms on a few things, as you heard in part two. Um, but as you know, as there's no football to talk about per se tonight, I, I just thought it would be really fun to have a, a fairly quick chat with J.K. Uh, about some of his great memories from Chelsea, because of course he's been watching Chelsea since before I was born. Yes, just let that sink in. Jonathan has been watching Chelsea since before I was born. And kids are hundred four. And I, I'm Methuselah for Christ's sake. Yeah. So you know uh, he, he's seen. He's seen. You know he's forgotten more football than I've probably seen. So oh, it Are would be lovely.
2: The football last week, I forgotten.
0: Well, that's true. I mean, I've got a terrible memory, as we all know. Um, but I mean, Jonathan. I mean, I, I gave you a bit of warning for this, so I know this isn't off the top of your head. But memorable players, memorable games, memorable people at Chelsea.
2: Well, apparently, I've I've seen Jimmy Greaves score. Four goals twice, um, and I was actually taken as a as a baby by my father um, on his lap. There was in a day where you could be um, taken over the uh, the turnstile because the old East Stand had turnstiles. You'd 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 um, uh, you'd get in uh, down the side via the gate, but then once you were in, you'd then have to show your ticket again to get into the East Stand. So you could easily be be lifted up. And the trouble was was that my dad tried to get me in even when I was six for nothing and I think they started to say hmm I think he's a little bit big now to be hoisted over the turnstile but I do remember um, seeing Jimmy Greaves score four and I have a very vague memory and I think it was Jimmy Greaves' last last game against Nottingham Forest, which they won 4-3 and uh um, well, I remember a statement. It's weird how you remember these things. I remember a bloke saying that bloody Greaves. He's done nothing. He's done nothing in this game at all, and um, uh, and he scored four, and uh, he had done nothing. All he'd done was just be um, absolutely quicksilver in the penalty area, and uh, uh, and this was a kind of constant with him. So, um, and I used to accompany my dad all the time. I'm not even just babysitting after that because I played so much football as well. Um, and I suppose that's part of it. Even it's about the same thing we were talking about. Why do you want to go and see your favourite team play? Is also because I played and I enjoyed seeing these better proponents, these better. Also, the element of thinking perhaps some of it would rub off. You know, if you watch them, you could, you might some, you might subsume some kind of uh, uh, a trick or something. And consequently, you get somebody like um, Bobby Tambling, who um, I remember I was at the 19. 19- uh, uh the 1962 um uh, God, my mind 62 uh league game where we beat portsmouth seven nil to get promotion back to the first division and bobby tamlin scored four goals so we then we'd all try and emulate bobby tamlin that had this great crouching stride and um, speed into the box um and uh, i remember another game that played in that game as i mentioned on Friday was derek kevin who had been been bought from West Bromwich and was pretty useless and then got transferred to Everton, spent a season with Chelsea, and the following season just scored about 28 goals because they played a completely different style to Tommy Doherty because Tommy Doherty was so advanced. But my great memory of this wonderful 7-0 trouncing of Portsmouth was a player called Frank Upton scoring a goal, probably my mind has increased the the distance, but from the halfway line, um, it seemed to be, and he was a huge player. uh, defender, I suppose he was—he was almost like a centre half, but played midfield. But just belting this ball, and because of the old offside law, um, somebody who was about five yards in front of him was just you know, not interfering in play at all, but was was given offside. And I remember thinking that's possibly the biggest, longest goal I've ever seen in my life, and it's been it's been chalked off because of offside, because somebody was you know was wouldn't actually have been prophesying that he would just let rip from the centre circle. Um, but as I said, the, 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 mm-hmm. the vision of that may have increased over the years. It may have been that he had to go from about 40 yards or something, and it then became the halfway line. But uh, it was a wonderful goal not to be allowed. But that was a great moment because it, it sort of re reinfused me to keep going the following season. And I had a bizarre time watching Chelsea because um, my dad would occasionally take me away to trips just for the hell of it you say let's go and watch them wherever they are and because i don't know how he managed to get a seat i think because of his celebrity because he was a well-known actor of the time so he would just ring somebody up he was quite friendly with a couple of the players he was friendly with frank blunston you can say frank could uh, frank blunston was a winger of the period he played at 18 in the 1954 55 championship team um and he's got i've got some some video film that he took when he had a home video camera of the players signing autographs round around at, uh, Chelsea and Terry Venables was there. And uh, and that was very much my era. My favourite player of the period was Barry Bridges, um, who uh, had this wonderful ability of just, uh, well, he was always put through and he was very quick and slightly bandy-legged. And he'd always go around the goalkeeper. That was, once again, my image of him. Once again, I can't actually specifically say what matches matches I was uh, watching at the period. But they just, this constant, Chelsea were a good side then under Tommy Doherty and, uh, and a very fluid passing side and he played well enough to get selected for England and we always used to copy um, his celebration which was uh, very nobody seemed to do it before It was always very conservative celebrations before that you know you just shake hands and what, and, and go into a bit of a huddle whereas he did a huge leap in the air and a punch and uh, and that was really slightly different for, for, for the era this is 65 and um, uh, 65 66 and then chelsea started doing wonderfully well i remember going to the terribly disappointing going to see um a semi-final against uh sheffield wednesday where jim mccallion who'd been playing for us um as a youth scored against us and beat us 2-0 we weren't supposed to lose that semi-final um and then we'd have played Everton in the final and i think we would have won it was a very decent team and i have very little recollect the only way i can recall that i went to all these these home games is all the programmes. I've still got all the programmes, so I know that I've been to these games, though I can't recall them. I and mean, we used to stand behind the goal, at whichever whichever um, end Chelsea were kicking into, because those areas, that era, area, you could walk all the way around the ground, and we'd. Uh, you had those bizarre little these hoops, these fences seem to be ubiquitous. They're there. every football ground at the same. Oi, Had the same fences. Oi, which were these sort of interlaced hoops. And you could guess you were just big enough to get your face in one of the hoops. So you could spend the whole of the game watching through the hoop. And then the second half you go around the other end of the shed end. Um, uh, they didn't seem to be as populated. The only big games that were populated is when you played uh, United. And then United you'd just have, you know, sixty two thousand in there and you'd be wedged in. They didn't do that thing of passing kids over their heads, but my goodness, you were you knew you were in a huge crowd. And then you get into the situation in the 68, 69, of course, where um, all the opposition would invade would invade the shed or try and get into the shed, and everybody would try and move around to the other end to get into the opposition, Chelsea fans, opposition's fans, to fight them. And that got unbelievably scary. I found that very difficult. I have never, never a huge man as I've been. I was about, you know, initially five foot, not even four foot eleven, trying to cope with all of this going on. Um, so... Uh, that, got, that was a, a very interesting period to support Chelsea. But I've, I've gone off it. You want other matches. Um, uh, so we had the uh, the 7-0, which was great to be at. Um, and, of course, the, the, one of the games that is, is writ large in my mind is um, Chelsea West Ham 1980 in September, when, it was my, when I was actually stamped with the Lion for the first time. And, <laughs> Brilliant. Uh, and uh, um, what was so fantastic about that, as we discovered, was that it, they, they had hooks and eyes because Velcro hadn't been invented. And uh, I couldn't get the costume off. Uh, and I'd um, worked out with the, the then marketing manager that he should be a very mobile, active character. We've written a script, have we? I'd written a script for him. Saying what I'd do, I'd go down by, this is inspired by Disney characters, who I'd seen a few do do their, their kind of activities. And you, I'd go and um, try and shake hands as many supporters as possible, leap around. I got a ball, kicked a ball into the goal at the shed end, went up, sh- waved to all the fr- fans, went over the Greyhound track, Ran around, ran up to the centre circle, bowed to everybody, had all the West Ham fans shout at me, who the fucking L.E.U., which I love, and then went back and then brought all the, all the, all the players on, um, waved to everybody, uh, brought the mascot on, took him off, and uh, went, went into the dressing room and discovered I couldn't get the outfit off. And, uh, and I had to get a, 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 the team man with about 35 minutes of the game gone to, uh, to get me out of the costume. And I then put the... Uh, I got the costume... I got the costume off and put my leather jacket on and went down to the front of the, went down the tunnel where uh, a steward who's still there to this day, I think, I saw him the other day and I wanted to gut him and say, remember me, I was the lion who you threw out. He frog marched me out of the ground. And uh, so not only did I miss the, first, the whole of the first half, I was then thrown out because I said to him, he said, yes, those wonderful words, yes. I, he said, uh, and I said, I've just been the lion. And he said, yeah, and I'm Peter Osgood. Out, he said, out. And he took me out, he took me out, threw me out of the ground. Um, So that was that specific one. Um, And obviously, um, um, I'll nick through them quickly, chids. Chelsea versus Leeds at Wembley was uh, fabulous because it was the first cup final we got to um, uh, since 1915, of course. And um, uh, Hutchinson's header in the last few minutes was such a relief. And then my dad took me to see Chelsea-Leeds at uh, the replay at Old Trafford. And I remember we, we my dad, we were late and we got there with about 15 minutes before kick-off. And my dad just went for it and drove all the way up to the ground. It got, kind of how he got through. And we, we turned left into a car park and it said, you know, players and officials only or something written on it. And he went up, don't worry, sh-. I said, shush, sh-. I was 16. And, um, and he said, uh, and the bloke said, uh, 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 yes. And, and my dad said, uh, hello, I wondered if I could have a parking space. He said, oh, well, of course, of course you can. Of course you can. Yeah, no problem at all. No problem. And a bloke came over, another chap in a commissioner's office said, "What is it?" Well, he said, "Look, look, look! Let him in! It's Sam Kid! It's Sam Kid! Let him in!" he said, "Who's oh, he?" said, Oh Sam Kid?" He said, "He said Brian Kid's fucking brother." He said, "That's all that is." And uh, <laughs> and, he, uh, um, and we got in to watch the game through supposedly being related to the um, the the Brian Kid, the United player who had uh, won the won the European Cup two years earlier. Um, but that was uh, that was a wonderful experience. Um, uh seeing the team win, particularly since we hadn't won anything and that was the big thing it was such a it was such a, um, uh, a a great thing from all Chelsea fans. I didn't feel it as much being being not being hugely old but all the others watching it to actually see the team win a trophy was was completely miraculous and that which was a similar experience of course in in 97 um with Viali and I've said Viali was one of my favorite players as was Huly I think Hullet's the best player I've ever seen play for Chelsea just because of his his class at keeping the ball and while looking up and there's there are a couple of goals I've seen recently on uh, uh, on Twitter that people have posted that I'd forgotten about but but seem to sum it up for me his ability to to just screen the ball so brilliantly and and look for angles and there's nobody there looking for the angle that nobody there running for him so he he find himself hardly having beaten anybody just holding the ball and going forward at the end of the penalty area edge of the penalty area and then whack a huge, expansive shot. You just thought, what a completely brilliant player. And of course, he started it all off, really, with Hoddle, who must be must be really given the great praise um, uh, as a, a Chelsea manager who got all these players in. And once again, then that was Bates's is, is it was, was great decision to uh, to try and move Chelsea into a different era. And then subsequently, of course, uh, Bates borrowing that um, that uh, fifty million. Um, bond in order to buy all those players, and it was then that Chelsea started becoming more of an attractive team. Indeed, for Abramovich to to buy, and I had a an interesting experience with Bates when I it was a period where you could tell how Bates was because he would uh, excuse me he would um he'd sell the directors box seats for for away matches, and if it was very far away, very few of the the vice presidents that he had would go so he'd flog you a director's box seat for 60 quid so on a couple of occasions I thought yeah I'll go I'll go and I sat next to uh, to Gary um, Staker um the uh, the translator as he was and the he's the kind of admin man for the for coordination for the players um and he was always very friendly and um uh, uh, and I got quite friendly with Bates I found myself on a on a bus once, it was Coventry City away, and I'd phoned up and said, there are any director's box seats, because I was free in the afternoon, and all that you had to do was wear a suit, and I remember, and the woman said, oh yeah, you can go in the executive coach, and I thought, oh, that'd be very good, I'd like that, and you get a get a meal on the way, and um, so I went, you know, I'd paid my money over the phone, and uh, turned up there, and the coach was um, Bates, his wife Susanna, and um, uh, Colin Hutchinson, the chief executive, and that was it, and me. And I thought, oh, oh bloody hell! <laughs> I had a computer with me, so I was sort of tapping away. And then Bates, when we played Coventry and we won, and then Bates was uh, uh, got, was slightly drunk afterwards, and very very friendly, and informed me why Hullet had been sacked, and um, uh, and a few other secrets about the club, uh, and uh, particularly talking about the the bond, how it allowed him to be in a position to. Uh, to get all these excellent players in. So, you know, people may hate Bates and hate what went on and not like the way that um, he had a spat with Matthew Harding, but he rescued the club and really put them on the road to uh,
0: to greatness. Um, we wouldn't uh, have a
2: club without him. It, 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 we wouldn't, absolutely right. We wouldn't
0: indeed. Um, anyway, Jonathan, timers more. are marching on. Okay. Yeah, well, we, we, yeah. well it, we're already going to lose at least two emails, so I, I just thought maybe... Oh, my
2: God. Austria-Vienna, Johnny Spencer. One of the great matches I was at. Johnny Spencer.
0: Oh, well, no, no. Tell me about that. I'd like to hear that.
2: Oh, just completely brilliant. You know, the, you it was the era of the European Cup and his cup where you only could only have four, I think it was, four uh, foreign players playing for you.
0: That's right. Yeah, You're, mid-90s, isn't, yeah, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, you
2: had Helberg yeah. Hill, playing. You had... Um, uh, uh, I remember Graham Ricks played in that game.
0: Um, That's right.
2: And uh, Myers played one of his first games and all he did, uh, he played fullback, I think, and he appeared to have one skill, which was stepovers, just went on and on and on. And um, uh, and Spackman on his, on his return to Chelsea. Um, uh, and just it was it was just the, the great moment was this um, Johnny Spencer being getting the ball just on the edge of our penalty area and uh, and running the whole of yeah. the, the length of the pitch. And, and chipping over the goalkeeper to make it 1-1. Completely phenomenal. And Chelsea going through. And, and what was also so weird was the appalling security to these. I found more and more going with that period. I went away to European games a lot, was how you were constantly... Um, the, 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 the belief was that you were a hooligan of terrible, of, of you know, huge order, and that we were actually going to run on the pitch and, and kill somebody or something. So we were we were frisked by soldiers with machine guns and had to go through narrow gates to get into the seats and of course you've got masses of middle-aged men doing it or going you know, the last thing they would ever do was riot or do anything or even run on the pitch it yeah, didn't seem to make any difference we were we were um, you know, uh, we were tarred with that brush unfortunately um, but also other other games I loved were um, and to play I loved was um, I was a great fan of Mark Hughes I think com- completely brilliant wonderful center forward. And his goals against Liverpool when we were 2-0 down will stay with me forever, as will his generally, his, him as a player. Um, uh, I love the uh, what, going to Oxford. I drove very quickly to Oxford, the FA Cup game, and, um, and seeing Viali throw himself to the, to the floor in, the la, in, in uh, extra time to get Chelsea a draw when it was clearly nowhere, no, nowhere near a penalty. Um, his dive. And of course, I'm watching Didier Drogba's uh, debut when he scored with a header against Palace, and the also wonderful delight of seeing the Tiago song Tiago, woo, oh, Tiago, woo. Oh, <laughs> he comes from Portugal, he hates the Arsenal, being invented in front of my eyes by a man standing on a chair, holding a piece of paper and starting it up on his own, and then being taken up by everybody and sung for the whole of the game. It was absolutely wonderful, wonderful experience. I'll um, oh, shut up now. Obviously Bayern was wonderful. Uh, Stuttgart was one playing Stuttgart in Stockholm was wonderful. And uh, and and Erlen Johnson against Leicester in the FA Cup falling over and having a penalty given to him was also one of the great delights as well. Um mm.
0: and Well there uh, you there you there you go. The uh the uh, complete uh history of Jonathan Kidd's uh time as a Chelsea fan, it'll be available in all good bookstores in about much more, ten years now. Much more to- yeah. Well, you know, you carry on, but I think we'll be here until half past 12, if no, we enough. do. You that's
2: enough.
0: You know, I, I, we're, we're, we're already an hour and 42 minutes in, and we're, we're not even halfway through yet. Well, we are actually halfway through yet. Well, we're not actually halfway through yet, technically, but there you go. We've we'll got, just have to speak uh, quickly.
2: Get Joe Tweed, speak about, Joe Tweed to speak about it. Sorry, I've gone on. Sorry.
0: That's all right. It was fascinating, actually. It's lovely to hear some of those memories, particularly the early 60s stuff, because obviously I wasn't around then at all, so we're... Uh, to, to, i mean you know I, i'll just put a line under that i don 't have many regrets in life, but if I have one regret when it comes to Chelsea' is that I never saw Jimmy Greaves play live for chelsea i i i, I well, and I never would have been i was, i wasn't even born uh, when he'd already buggered off so you know but i really reg- I used to speak to my mother in law about Jimmy Greaves she used to watch him play at Chelsea at the bridge a lot, and uh, my dad saw him play bizarrely, but for England not chelsea so i
1: I saw him a lot live, but playing for Spurs.
0: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. All right, OK. Now, that was brilliant. Well done, JK. Um, now, because we, not not just because we've got Joe Tweedy on, who, of course, is uh, a, a man who really knows his onions when it comes to uh, Chelsea's youth uh, academy and all of that. Uh, it seemed to be very fitting, what with uh, Hudson-Odoi doing so well for England on Friday and, of course, again tonight by the looks of it. Uh, so I thought, you know... It's, it's it's a common 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 topic we talk about it all the time it, it kind of you know in various degrees people get their knickers in a twist about it etc 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 so I thought we've, we've got Joe on the show it'd be a really good uh, time to have a chat about it properly rather than me just spouting off nonsense so uh, this, this will probably be mainly Joe answering and me asking him questions but we can all uh, you know contribute our thoughts So, I mean, first of all, Joe, you know, where where are Chelsea right now in terms of youth development and and more to the point transition to the first team? You know, given what we were talking about uh, in the break about Hudson-Odoi, you know, him leaving in the summer could possibly be a, a combination of a tragedy and a disgrace. So where are we with the youth at the moment and how will that affect it if he does go?
3: I think, I mean, to, to be honest, I, I read an article the weekend from the Times and they had this fantastic uh, graphic that, that showed that Chelsea, there's only one team in Europe who have played um, less domestic players in terms of people who've come through the academy this season than Chelsea in the whole of Europe and they were some sort of Cy- Cypriot Premier League team. So we're probably, if we're looking at all of the, the top, um, let's say all of the, the top leagues were probably the worst big team in terms of sort of giving minutes to, to domestic players. And I think that that has to be kind of the starting point from, from when you look at sort of this discussion. You know, the 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 fact I think Loftus-Cheek maybe has one Premier League start this season. I think Hudson-Odoi doesn't have a single one. Uh, I'm not sure if Christensen does either. He might have one start, you know. Um, I think it, it's it's very reflective of... Where we are as a club, you know, we have, I think, out of the top six sides, we've got the oldest uh, average age in terms of starting 11. I think we're, we're, we're approaching 30 years of age in terms of that, you know, the sort of the generic salary starting 11. Um, City, Liverpool, United, Tottenham, Arsenal are all sort of in the, you know, 24, 25, 26 range. Um, you know, um, there's not really a, a huge amount to be to be positive about. Yes, you know, we've, we've had some some nice moments, I think, off his cheek, had he not been injured this season, maybe may you know have had a case to play a bit more. But in the Europa League we've we've seen the some of the younger players come on and, and actually play well. And but it's it's the kind of the, the Premier League I think is I suppose where you sort of measure the the, the sort of real development of, of the club. And you know the fact is that we're we're no closer now, you know, in a period where I'd argue that this <coughs> this current squad is probably the, the weakest that, that we've had under Roman. We're no closer now to having a, a player you know playing not even you know regularly being sort of you know maybe the, the 12th man or the 13th man who plays pretty semi regularly we're not even anywhere near near that sort of as a as a club so you know in terms of of transitioning towards maybe some of these younger players I, I don't see it happening um as i said in terms of minutes played this season we're we're by far one of the worst teams in europe and it it just doesn't make sense when you juxtapose it with the quality of the, the academy that we have you know this is you know, just not just from a, a domestic pers- perspective. This is, you know, an academy that's that's lauded in Europe in terms of the talent it's producing. We've we've just had a, a kid start for England tonight before he's made his first Premier League uh, debut, or, you know first Premier League start for Chelsea. Um, set up a goal by all accounts he's playing pretty well, and and yet that you know that level of ability is obviously not good enough to to get a game at Chelsea. So you know it, it's frustrating for me because I see so many benefits not just beyond the ability of the players, but you know, these are the these are the players that have been at Chelsea since you know six, seven, eight years of age. They've 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 lived and breathed the, the club, they've come up through through the system, they they get the they get the feeling of the club. You know, you hear it in some of the interviews they have when they talk about teams like Tottenham and Arsenal. There's a real not dislike, because obviously they have some international teammates there, but they understand the, the context of the fixture. Um and, and all of this sort of intangible stuff that you lose by not having them in the in the squad as, as prominent players is it's also a little bit why I feel since Terry's left, we've kind of lost that edge a little bit when it comes to that sort of streak that we had in the club. So, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm not super positive um, sort of where we are in terms of, of developing. And I think at the moment that you'd have to say that the, the transition really is non-existent. And, you know, to, to your point about if Hudson-Odoi leaves at the end of the season, then that could be, you know, one of the, the biggest uh, regrets that Chelsea potentially have because, you know, we've had some good players coming through. But but Hudson Odoi could be a superstar, and if you lose him for, for very little money because he's got a year left on his contract and he goes on and becomes a you know a top ten talent in the world, then you know it, it really makes a mockery of the whole system.
0: I just wonder, actually, Joe. You know the, the worry I have if 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 and I will broaden this out in a minute, but the worry I have about Hudson Odoi going in the summer is that it could open the floodgates. You know because it will basically it will send a message to everybody yep. else who's good at the academy don't hang around. There are other teams that will pay a lot of money for you and pay you a lot of money and play you. And I think we could see an exodus and that, that would just be heartbreaking, yep. mate. You reckon so?
3: Yeah, I mean, I just, just just to give some some minutes here. So I, I did a little bit of research before the podcast and, you know, I'm looking at, so Loftus-Cheek is probably our most established academy player at Chelsea. He's played four seasons at Chelsea. He's played just under 2,400 minutes so about 26 games in four years, which is absolutely ridiculous when you put it in that context. But, Looking at teams above us and around us now, you've got Trent Alexander Arnold at Liverpool. He's played nearly the equivalent of 62 games. You know, Harry Winks at Tottenham, who I think is a really, really mediocre sort of average Premier League player, has played nearly 59 games for Tottenham, you know, in less time than, than Loftus Cheek. Alex Iwobi, who again, I think people would, would admit is probably not really considered to be a, a talent as, as, you know, as sort of heralded or, or as, or, you know, the same company as Loftus Cheek, has played nearly 92 games for Arsenal in four seasons. Um, you know, and the same or Marcus Rashford is just slightly different at, at United, but again, you know, he played 107 games. If you're looking at sort of the minutes played, and you know, it, it's it's not just um, you know, it, it, I don't think it's it's good enough anymore to sort of keep making excuses for managers. You know, all this, you know, they watch them in training, and they've got you know, competition, etc. Other clubs are creating opportunities for their young players, and these young players, they're not they're not better than what Chelsea have in their academy. I, I mean, I'd argue that maybe. Maybe only Trent Alexander-Arnold would have come through Chelsea's academy, you know, given the the competition that, that they would have had. And yet, you know, you've got four players here who are playing for teams who probably are are trending in a different direction to Chelsea, you know, who have played infinitely more games than, than what is meant to be our brightest kind of prospects over the past four years. Now, I'm not even comparing them to Haas and or, or any other sort of academy players that we've had. know, that that to me is, is is just it's just a shocking kind of. I don't want to say dereliction of GZ, but I mean, if, if other teams can do it with, with a single prospect who really, you know, they're they're okay players, don't get me wrong, but you no, know, they're, they're not a Loftus Cheek, They're not Hudson-Odoi. They're not a, a Nathaniel Chaloba in some some cases with some of these players. So, you know, if, if other teams can do it around us, then you know, the question you've got to ask is why can't we bring through a single player?
0: Very good question, mate. I mean, what I would say, I mean, it's really interesting to hear what you say. You've actually backed that up with some stats as I knew you would uh, because, you know my my kind of untutored perception is that actually Sarri gets quite a hard rap, uh, or has had quite a hard rap this season for not uh, you know bringing the youngsters through yeah. and playing them because you know my perception is that he he has perhaps more than say Conte or Mourinho before, but actually that doesn't bear out in the statistics at all. So the question really is, uh, you know. Is Sarri or any manager of a top six club, I mean, this is the other thing, because I think you kind of made this comparison, but are they a help or a hindrance in bringing the players through at Chelsea?
3: It's it's difficult at Chelsea because I, I would wager if, say, someone like Pochettino had access to Chelsea's academy, I think you would you would have seen a lot more players come straight from the academy, straight into the first team, because I, I think that's, that's just something that he does. I mean, the fact that, that Harry Winks here again no, I think I think he's an okay player, but you'd you'd be very hard pressed for me to say that he's ah uh, you know he he should be starting for a team who's competing in the Champions League, has played nearly 60 games in three seasons. You know that 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 is because Pochettino has has kind of given him or created opportunities for him. He's given him the the opportunity. So I think at Chelsea we've seen you know for for a very long period of time there is such a reluctance to play a young player ahead of an experienced professional. Um, I think a lot of it comes down to to, to the, the the managers. Maybe not wanting to rock the boat, I felt Bruce sorry this season. He wanted to try and maintain some of the squad harmony. You know, if you're picking a, a 17, 18 year old kid over a Spanish international, that could upset some of the some of the sort of Brazilian-Spanish clique that are at the club. You know, so it, it's tricky. But you know, when when you really look at this in comparison, you know, I said I, I deliberately picked players who I didn't think would would probably have come through Chelsea's academy system, and the fact that they're playing so so regularly for teams who are either above us or around us. Is it's really worrying, you know, and I, I don't know if it's just on sorry. I think it's a it's a club thing, um, but I mean, this season he has had massive opportunities. I think to play Loftus Cheek, to play Hudson, Ladoy, to reward them with with some of the fine performances they've had in the Europa League. I mean, we we have to remember that that this is this is the route that Harry Kane took into becoming Spurs' star player was was playing well in in the Europa League and then getting rewarded with Premier League starts. At Chelsea, it feels like you know. Loftus Cheek or Hartanoy or whoever could have a, an 11-12 out of 10 game, could score four goals. We know that they'd be on the bench for the for the Premier League game at the weekend. So, yeah, it, it doesn't feel like there's been a meritocracy in place for for a very long time now. Um, and, and whether you know whether Sorry is a help or a hindrance, I think he has been a hindrance this season. I think he's he's been very dogmatic in his team selections and his adherence to experienced players. I think it's reflected in the average age of the team that he picks for you know for the for the majority of games that we played. And I do think that there are examples, maybe not at City because their their squad is absolutely ridiculous, but at least you know in sort of the other sort of top six competitors, there are quite a few examples in in some cases of of players coming through the academy who are getting played quite regularly, and and it's not really it's not hindering them as a club. So it's it's difficult for me to to say that, that you know he's a you know, he's he's not completely a hindrance. So I think it's a club it's a kind of a club dynamic, but you know I think there's been so many opportunities this season that sorry could have played players where he hasn't and. No, that ultimately
0: is going to be something that's
1: that's potentially held against him. Mm. Clayton, would you
0: would you concur with that?
1: Yeah, I mean, I was thinking about this uh, over the weekend, and I was thinking that if Callum Hudson Odoi was at the stage he was at, would Conte have played him? Would Mourinho played him? And I, I came to the conclusion that I didn't think they would, and I, I and to that degree, I. I have a slight amount of sympathy for Sari. That being said, this is the weakest squad that we've had since Roman's been in charge. And there's less excuse now not to play Callum. Now, Sari is going to be absolutely, you know, it's going to be his effort half when he walks out the door, It's going to be stuck on his back, like kick me. Um, he's comments the fact that he's young and he's got to keep his feet on the ground and yada, yada, yada. It's just ludicrous. And then he basically said, I can't really give him game time because I've got, um, Pedro and I've got William and, you know, I, you know, one of them's going to have to leave the club before I can play Hudson, the which is just bonkers. Um, Pedro and William are infuriating in their inconsistency but I wouldn't, you know, for one minute, you have to look at Pedro's one more than than most players will ever do in their lifetime. But the fact is that Pedro, I think, is in the last year of his contract, or maybe he's got one more left. He's not the future. And it's about time that somebody said, this is the future, Callum's the future. Um, and you've got, I'm not picking on Pedro. Uh, you know, the same could be said of William. I mean, these these guys... Are great players, and they have been great servants for the club. But the, the fact is that we we are now in such a mentality that we won't risk players. But but how people have not seen how special he is and uh, and fast tracked him, I've got absolutely no idea. Um, I suspect, and I know we mentioned this, and I I've touted this before, and 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 it's a complete naivety I know, but I I would do everything to get um, Lampard and Morris into the club over the summer, because we're not going to be able to buy anybody, which means well, we don't
0: know that yet. We don't know that. for okay,
1: sure. Okay. I, I guarantee that even if it's reduced to one window, you know, it's still going to be, we are, whoever's in charge is going to have to utilize what we've got. And I don't, Trust Sarri to be the person to do that. I really don't. Well, uh, um, yeah. what
0: I would say, Clayton, on that point, is that um, even if we don't have a transfer ban, yeah. we 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 will. I, I mean, for two reasons: either Roman is unable or unwilling to spend the three four hundred million that we need to completely revamp the yeah. squad, or more to the point, if he did have the money, he wouldn't be allowed to do it because of FFP. So, one, one way or another, we're going to have to get rid of a lot of players and, and, and somehow find new players without spending three, four, five hundred million like City did.
1: Yeah, no, I understand that. And, I, you know, and Jonathan and I always have this discussion, and Jonathan is 100% right. And it is just naive to think that every one of our youth players is going to be absolutely brilliant. And uh, Barclays just scored another goal. Yeah. Um, that all those players are going to be fantastic. But, I mean, Joe, again, will know this. Rhys James, I cannot believe that Rhys James will not be able to walk into that side and be a better right-back than what we have at the moment. David's been a fantastic servant for the club, but he's been awful this year. He's been absolutely awful. Now, whether that is because we played three at the back and he was great when we played three at the back, I don't know. I mean, it might be an age thing. You know, one one of the best moments of this season was when we scored against Spurs and Dave just dropped to his knees in such delight. You know, I mean, he's, he's great. He's absolutely great. But you've got to look to the future. And Rhys James looks to me, you know, from afar. I mean, I don't watch all of Wigan's games and I know it's Wigan and I know they're near the bottom of the championship or what have you. But... He looks like a talent. He, he really well, I,
2: does. The other day, actually, and he, he was a bit um, average. Well, that's the trouble is that they, I think they get inflated because he, he did a couple of decent little moves and beat somebody which went all over Twitter. But it's, it's so much more the rounded individual. I mean, I'm not deliberately... I was accused the other day of, of, of deliberately finding fault with somebody even though for the hell of it, you know, as if somehow... I would be I was keen to do that. I'm I'm keen for every single youth person to to come into the team and play wonderfully. It just is that I'm a realist about it.
1: No, you're you're hundred percent right. And you, you I'm I'm living in cloud cuckoo land. But you know, I mean I just I just think of all the talent that we've wasted. I mean, did I read I mean Joe Joe will tell me this, but I mean Jay DeSilva, um he's a left back, isn't he? Very, yeah. very short, but he's a fantastic player. But is he I mean, is he at the end of his contract with us or is is he got another year or so? He's because, got a
3: buyout deal with I think he's on loan at Bristol. I think they can buy him for, for next to nothing.
1: Oh God, because that, that's already happening with um, the other fullback who's out in uh Aina. Doreen, Aina. Aina as well. Yeah. You know, and, and it it's just it just seems negligent. And it it's it, it seems negligent and it seems churlish because we keep winning things. You know and and the bottom line is, I don't think any of us that are on this pod tonight would be at all surprised if we ended up winning the Europa League because we've got you know our squad is full of winners who know how to win things, which is what the the sort of the big argument always is with with spurs and and the funny thing is because for all their talent and for the fact that Pochettino is obviously the best manager that's ever managed in the world, he's won nothing, and it's all about a mentality. And our club, through thick and thin, over the last 15, 16 years, have held on to that mentality. So that's why it wouldn't be a surprise. But I think in some respects, it, 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 if we won it, it wouldn't do us any favours. Because yeah, potentially, kind of, yeah. Sarri might hold on to his job. Um, well, I, thought
0: so. I think more to the point, it will paper over the cracks, mate. That's the thing. You know, the board will go like they always do. Oh, well, that's all right. Then we don't need to spend any money. We've got some good players who can win stuff. And I think
1: the last two championship winning sides, both Mourinho and Conte said, I need to add. And they said, No, you don't. And they did. And the following seasons, we came up short.
0: Exactly that. All right. Just going to move this on a second because uh, two questions, really, for you, Joe. 'Cause you'll know this better than all of us, I'm sure. You know, who who out there in the Academy or, or who are on loan, who have come up through the Academy, should genuinely get a chance at Chelsea, but more to the point, you know, how can we realistically make that happen? And and even more to the point, is it ever likely to happen at Chelsea?
3: I think it, it all comes down to the to the strategy of, of the club. And I think again, this is probably one of the the biggest i think things that people don't necessarily understand with 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 how you want to sort of develop some of these young players you know not every single youngster is is going to be a, a superstar talent and the push for people who want to see these young players given opportunities it's not for them to you know every single one of them to be you know become a, a starting 11 player and have an entire team made up of academy players the the huge benefit of, of giving opportunities is that, let's say, you know, you, you gave Nathaniel Choloba a lot more playing time that season. It's it's about not going out in the summer and then having to buy squad players. You know, you should be able to to generate from the talent that Chelsea have, even if you keep a player from 20 to 24. For those four seasons, it means you don't have to go out and spend £35 million on Costa and another £35 million on Palmieri. You know, you've actually got the, the ability to then go out and buy a top player you know and I think that so many people don't see that this as a, this is really the, the, the most important thing about getting academy players into the squad is it allows you to go and buy really top class players which is something I think we've we've kind of moved away from as a club so when you're talking about people getting opportunities you know for me it's not just you know players who are going to potentially be first in players it's guys who can play 10 15 20 games a season it's it's looking at Jesse Lingard really as a benchmark of what a, an academy player should be. Someone who understands the club, someone who understands the culture, someone who understands the fans, someone who isn't going to complain if they're in and out of the side, but can still come in and put in a performance. So, you know, it's I think that there's often a miscommunication between particularly someone like I would love to see at the club is having a lot of these homegrown squad players who maybe they leave the club at 24, 25. um, But it means you're not spending fortunes on average players in Know, sort of stockpiling them on ninety, you know, £90,000 a week, £100,000 a week just to sit on the bench or, in Danny Drinkwater's case, to, to literally just sit on Instagram for his entire Chelsea career. So, you know, that, that 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 for me is is the thing that I would love to see is, you know, I think there are in, in Hasan Adoy's case, yes, he for me is somebody who can play first team for Chelsea, same with Loftus-Cheek. There are probably a few others as well, but it's getting that balance between getting that sort of conveyor belt of people coming into the squad who can fill squad roles, who can be squad players and Looking at that from that perspective, I think you know we touched a little bit on Reece James. I think he's he's sensational. You know he's uh, he's you know eighteen. He's been probably you know in the championship team of the month three or four times this season. He's been Wiggins player of the month. It feels like every single month. Um, he's also been playing in midfield. He's played a little bit of centre back. So he's you know he for me he's an incredible footballer. I'd I'd like to see him get an opportunity next season. Um Tomori at Derby, you know, I think he's huge underrated. I think people will remember the own goal he scored this season. But I think he, he's another player who looks to me like you know, the sort of modern centre back. You know, he's physical, he's athletic, he's good on the ball. Again, you know, in, in a position that we struggle with, you know, I don't think he's markedly worse than someone like Antonio Rüdiger. If if Louise is leaving, then, then for me, he's a natural third or fourth choice potentially in that position. Um Tammy Abraham, again, people will, will poke holes at his game, but this is a guy who probably has more passion to play for Chelsea than anyone in that first team squad at the moment you know his his interviews the way John Terry talks about him his his own attitude is is first class and the fact that you, you wouldn't want to give him a, an opportunity because quote unquote he scores tap-ins is is a little bit ludicrous i think he's the perfect second choice striker in a, in a squad with a really top player someone who comes on who who runs himself into the ground who presses who chases he's physical you know he's he's a could be effectively just a younger Giroud kind of option off the bench for us. Um, and the last two, you know, I think um, probably Ola Olaena, though I think he's probably going to go. Um, you know, he, the, the Torino got a very good deal for him potentially to trigger a, a 10, I think it's about 10 million euro fee in the summer. He's a, a, such a good example of, of Chelsea writing off players too soon. I mean, Ola Olaena was 22. These are players that we would probably be looking to buy in terms of young players in the squad. You know, he, he struggled a little bit in the championship to kind of find himself in adult football. But this season in, in, in Serie A, he's been one of the best, you know, fullbacks you know, in, in the entire league. And that's just coming from people who watch Serie A religiously, you know, talking about him as a, as one of the top players. And he covers both left-back and right-back. You know, he's he's the perfect squad player to have at Chelsea until he's 24, 25. You know, if he wants to move off and be a starter, he may even develop into a starter. But, you know, he's someone that, the club have written off, they've they've put a, a release fee in there and now he's flourishing. Now it looks like it's gonna be a huge bargain. Um and, and maybe maybe one more, maybe Mason Mount. And you know, I think people will look at his maybe his goals and assists drying up, but if you look at how how that derby team have crumbled without him in the side structurally, I think his his contribution to the team from a structural standpoint, how he moves the ball, how he kind of brings others into play, how he generally kind of just runs the game as a central midfielder. I think, you know, it's been such a huge miss for Derby and it's been partly the reason why they fell away a bit. So I think, again, he's someone that I would really like to see and maybe an, an outside bet on on Nathaniel Chiloba's younger brother, Trevor. You know, he's, again, you know, very, very young player. has gone to the Championship, took quite a while to adjust. But, you know, in the past couple of months, he's been playing as a, as a holding midfielder and he's excelled. You know, I think he's won the Man of the Matchable quite a few times at Ipswich recently and, Again, you know, if you're looking for some 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 physicality in Chelsea's midfield, which you know is is often lacking, you know, this is a guy who will, you know, play a you know an, an absolutely crunching tackle, then hit a sixty-yard pass. So, again, someone who could be on the fringes. But yeah, I think those, you know, it's you know five six players potentially, they stop you from buying you know players for forty fifty million pound who who literally do the same job. And if you bring those in, you don't have to spend your hundred million pound on squad players. You can go out and buy a Maro a Cardi or a, a, a top centre forward and. And potentially start actually adding some, some real top, top quality to the team. Because that's that's what this is all about. It's it's not having to pay money for average players to, to then go and get the top players in the market. And I think that should be the strategy that Chelsea are using. It's not all about, you know, getting a, a, an entire team to of academy players. It's maybe giving yourself a three, four-year window where you don't have to buy squad players. So then you can actually go and buy top players. And, and that should be the strategy. So, you know, with those five or six in the squad... We've Hudson the door, If we can keep in, if, if Loftus, we can keep hold of Loftus Cheek, Christensen, et cetera, you're in a pretty good position to actually start going out and buying some of these top players. So
0: well, that would hopefully be exactly. the idea. Exactly. I mean, I, I've said the same many times, Joe. Uh, written many articles, you know, saying exactly the same thing. It's not about, you know, putting an entire team of youth players no. in because, as Jonathan was saying earlier, we would get relegated. Uh, the trouble is, Joe, this is not going to happen no. because, you know, unless there's a major, major fundamental reset in the board's thinking. I mean, what worries me about the academy is that somewhere along the line, it became a, uh, what did I call it? Um, something like a talent farm, basically. So they basically use it to make money, you know, And unless they decide that they need it to go on the pitch. And more to the point, if they change the, uh, you know, objectives of the manager, as I, as you, you, uh, you mentioned in your article, I've mentioned in mine before, you know, part of their, Um, you know, targets needs to be getting a certain amount of youth players into the team, you know, rather than just winning trophies. Until that happens, it ain't going to change. And I think it's really sad. And the reason I think it's really sad, I was thinking about this at the weekend, actually. Um, There are two really good examples of of why this can work. And I'm not talking about bringing in a team of 11 youth players. I'm talking about what Joe was saying. Uh, The class of 92 with Man United, very famously. And of course, the Germany international side that walloped England uh, in the 2010 World Cup, uh, who, who then went on to win several World Cups. And, of course, they had grown up together throughout all of Germany's international youth sides, very much hopefully in the same way that uh, the successful England Under-17 World Cup, side, World Cup winning side will do for England. And if you think about how many trophies the youth players at Chelsea have won as well, you know, they're born winners, these kids. You know, if we could just get four or five of them, you know, going, they know each other, that we will reap the benefits. I'm convinced of that. But I'm also convinced that it ain't going to happen, and it saddens me. Uh, anyway, anybody listening out there will be delighted to know that I'm going to dump talking about Cardiff and Chelsea because I've enjoyed the show so much, I don't want to bring us all down. <laughs> so <laughs> there we go. I mean, you can know... I, can I just
1: bring you down a bit further? Go on, scored then. again? Well, front.
0: no, that that makes me happy. You know, yeah. I like Giroud. I like to see him yeah, score. Yeah, obviously, because you know?
1: he's played in midweek, he'll be too tired to start on top. Of course,
0: you know, the other thing I meant to say actually, when you were talking about William and Pedro earlier, Clayton. Yeah. Of course, I, what I meant to say is that, of course, on that list I read earlier, um, you know, about who's uh, on international duty at the moment, uh, Pedro and William are not on international duty. Yeah. So yeah. this whole argument about well, you know, you've got you've got to like you know. Get established international players out of the side if you're going to break through. Well, they're not anymore, are they? No. Doesn't that say it all?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, but I mean, it does. You know, just just sort of Hudson Odoi is the future. I mean that that's what says it all. And and that is, you know, you can't disrespect what Pedro or William have done for this club. And they they've been brilliant. They've been absolutely brilliant. They in 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 terms of Pedro, I suspect. He's a player that, you know, he, he never really consistently started for Barca. So I suspect he's, he's just one of those guys who's inconsistent. And I think a lot of wingers are inconsistent. But the fact is that we've got an absolute diamond and potentially we're going to lose him, which is yeah. just tragic.
0: I think it will be, and I do think it'll have knock-on effects, as we were saying. Right, just to give you an idea of what's going on, I'm going to do a very quick speed read of the usual parish notices, uh, and then we're having a break, and then we'll come back, and I and I will then figure out how many of the emails we can fit in before we all have to go to bed. OK, does that make sense? Yes. Yeah. Right, so on that very point, uh, a very quick shout-out for the Chelsea Supporters Trust, not least because uh, the Chelsea Supporters Trust survey, which is open to anybody as long as you're a Chelsea supporter, uh, is available now, um, you know, go to the website. It's on there, chelseasupporterstrust.com, or, or their Twitter feed, at Chelsea S Trust. I retweet it occasionally as well. Um, but it's really important that uh, that you fill this in, or as many of you fill it in as possible, uh, because, of course, we collate the information we receive from you and we present this to the club uh, to say, this is what people are saying, this is what people want. So, for example, the recent ticket price uh, increase is something that I can imagine most of you don't want and they've done it anyway so we need to go back to them said our survey 90% of people said that you're a bunch of assholes for doing that or words to that effect anyway uh it's open I believe until April the 22nd so you've got just uh under a month to do it in but I will keep reminding you it's really important to fill it in so go to the website chelseasporterstrust.com there's a blog about it with a link there and you can fill it in it'll take you about 10 minutes I expect and it'll improve your life in ways that even alcohol can't. Right, uh, on that point, join the Trust. Get your voice heard by the club. It's free to join up to be a member. But if you want a badge and you want to be able to vote in the elections and go to any of the meetings, it's five quid a year. Uh, and, as, and you know the address to go to ChelseaSportsTrust.com uh, and uh, it's all very clear how you can uh, sign up to be a member. I commend it to you all. Uh, Patreon, talking of good causes, he um we signed up to this thing called Patreon a while ago, which is kind of a little kind of website page uh, where uh, we can communicate with you on a more personal basis. And, of course, you can support us uh, by contributing a little bit of money every month, which helps to uh, cover the cost of running the shows. Uh, you'll be amazed that there are costs running the shows, and, and they're not just all spent in the bar. I can assure you of that uh I, i'll give you an example the bloody editing software i used to edit this you can no longer buy off the shelf you have to pay a subscription fee for it which is horrible and insidious so there are costs associated with this so you know if you become a patron bung us a bit of money every month it helps to cover that because we do quite a lot of shows every week as you know uh, and we would be eternally grateful and there are fringe benefits to this uh, as i said if you want to get an email read out it will you know i mean i know we always read them all out anyway but i mean you know you can get my attention quite quickly on patreon Uh, Also, I will let you know exclusive uh, news and stuff like that via Patreon. And uh, I am still mooting the idea of doing some sort of a kind of a Patreon or a WhatsApp, maybe a Patreon WhatsApp group, uh, you know, for uh, the matches when I'm there. It seems a bit, I can't do it when I'm in the radio studio because I I can't be WhatsApping people when I'm working. But uh, at the game I probably can and that would be more fun because I'll be at the game and many of you won't so you might get a bit of insight and photographs and stuff like that so loads of ideas I'm always open to other ideas that you might have about what you can, what we can do with Patreon, what you might want I know a lot of you uh, noticed the Chelsea Fancast t-shirts that I put out with some of the tweets getting you to go and vote for us in the Football Blogging Awards yesterday uh, there are only two left in existence uh, but I'm getting a lot of people saying they would like one so I, I'm thinking about that so that's something that Patreon members might be able to have first anyway right Chelsea pitch owners as always we encourage you to go and buy a share on the CPO uh, it's the only way uh, you can uh, kind of you know guarantee that uh, football will always be played at Stamford Bridge and a jolly worthy cause it is too uh, if you want to get a share easily done just in uh, email info at chelseapitchowners.com follow them at twitter at pitchowners uh, and it's about 40 quid I think to go and get a share so it's good value Finally, talking of good value, uh, you don't get better value than CFC UK, uh, which is the best fan scene available for Chelsea fans. I write for it. Clayton writes for it. I think Joe might have written for it before. Joe, have you written for CFC UK? Uh, yes, a couple of times, Jack. Yeah. You have. Yeah, I thought you had. So there we go. We all, all the best people write for CFC UK. Uh, and you can get it from uh, any of the sellers on a match day, home or away, on the stall uh, opposite Fulham Broadway on a match day. And if you can't get it in person, you can get it digitally online at cfcuk.net. Now, there you go. Right, part four. We will have some, but not all, of the emails for this week. Real fans, real opinions. I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to the Chelsea Football Fancast. Up the Chelsea! Right, welcome back. This is uh, the Chelsea Fancast. I am Stamford Chidge and we are late. We've waffled on. I was going to say we've waffled for, waffled for England tonight, which would be kind of appropriate, given that they're playing on the telly at the moment and it looks like... It's still three-one. Uh, Four-one. Four-one. Four one. I missed the. I can't see the with my glasses on. I can't actually read the telly. Who scored the fourth? then? All right. Okay. So Ross hasn't got his hat trick yet, then.
1: No, but it was uh, it was a great goal. And the doy yes.
2: wobbled through for a, um, a good shot, and the goalkeeper made an excellent save. So. Well,
0: there you go. I mean, we've played Montenegro four times, and we've only beaten them once. Yeah. So, you know, we, we've stuffed them away 4-1. There is something going on with this England team. It's quite a joy to see. Anyway, we, we're we not going to digress anymore. Uh, right, uh, the first email on the agenda from the lovely Adam Smith, and it is for Jonathan to read.
2: Hi, guys. Regarding episode 455, German food is the first. If that was meant to be a pun, it was surely the worst in recorded history. Please, 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 no more like that. Oh, okay, then. More seriously, as someone who's always tried to give Sarri a fair chance, I have to say I've reached a point where I can't defend him or rather his match with the current team any longer. Yes, I share that. Since the domestic season has now gone west and only a backdoor route into the UEFA Champions League remains, surely now is the time to experiment. I'm not entirely clear if the transfer ban, if the stay of execution appeal fails, means Chelsea can't appoint a new manager I don't think it would to that. If not, surely we need to cast a feel for someone new. As an Australian, there's one rank outsider I can't help thinking of, though sadly I doubt it will come to pass. None other than Gus Hiddink, who did so well at the bridge 10 years ago. More realistically, right now I'd rejoice if anyone took the reins, preferably Franco Zed, but he's, uh, um, he's terrible. Um, but if... Sari if Sari stays, wouldn't it be great if he adopted a "nothing to lose anymore" philosophy and went all out with experimentation? How about starting the team in a four-two-three-one formation with Giroud up front? Hazard, Hudson O'Doy and Pedro, or Loftus William feeding him. Canty and Jorginho holding the defensive midfield and the tallest backline we can find, Alonso and DL included. Even if this setup loses a few matches, well, we're losing anyway, and changing something that isn't working is by definition a no risk situation. If they do hold on to, on to Sarri until the summer, at least he can go out with a bang, which will help his future career prospects. I think he's been linked with Roma. And it might work well enough. He doesn't go out at all. I like to hear the panel's thoughts on this idea, dream or nightmare. Best regards, shelves forever. <clears throat> Alan Smith. Wow, well, um, uh, Franco Zola isn't um, isn't good enough as a as a manager. I think Hiddink has uh, um, given up. I don't think he, he is he managing anybody anymore. I think he's, he's on no Hid- uh-huh. Hiddink's second
1: spell was six months of the most hideous football. And he didn't play any youth players when we had nothing to play for. That's so right. I wouldn't want him anywhere near the club again. God bless him.
2: Yes, yes. And I'm sure there are worse worse puns we can find than that one. I'll, I'll yeah. look at um, it.
1: Uh, England are 5-1 up yeah.
0: Sterling, wasn't it? Yep. That's brilliant. It really is. Uh, I, I have to say, JK, I, I agree about Franco. Terrible manager. And I kind of... I have to be honest, and I love Franco, absolute Chelsea legend, but I've got to, I've got to say, what on earth is he doing pointless. at the club? Absolute it's an absolute, you He know.
1: came back to help um, Sarri integrate in the club, and I suspect he's got no input. I mean, I can't remember after one of the horrendous defeats, I think it was at Bournemouth, um, when Sarri basically didn't let any of the backroom staff in Yeah. Um, after the game well, that tells you all you need to know.
0: Yeah. I'm, I'm, I definitely, I, I, I'm kind of more, uh, I'm warming more to Alan's four-two-three-one formation. Anything to get, uh, anything to get, uh, uh, Kante back in his rightful position suits me. Although I have to say, I think looking at our defense, uh, I think they play much better under a back three. I mean, you know, Conte's not an idiot. He figured out they can't play in a back four, and I, I have him right. Joe, anything to add on that?
3: No, just I, I think the same thing. I think you know if if you had been a little bit more flexible, you if sorry had been a little bit more flexible, um, maybe we wouldn't be at this point. But I think it's a little bit too late now. I think you're right. Yeah, yeah, it's this four-three-three. I, I love the formation, but just just how he's playing it, I don't think is, is is for me, particularly with players playing where they are. So, yeah, but we'll
0: see. Indeed, all right, okay. Now this is cause we I like to have a thing that I call the email of the week. You see now, it kind of infers there might be some sort of a prize. Sadly, this is a delusion uh, which you will need to get rid of, because there isn't. It's just an accolade, email of the week. And this week, it's to Ben Shaw, and it's a cracker, I've got to be honest. And Ben says, Dear Chidge and Jonathan, my name is Ben Shaw, and I'm a regular listener to the show, and I must say, it's wonderful. I used to get to the bridge regularly, but moving away and having children has stopped me from attending more frequently which I know isn't an excuse. Your show makes me feel more connected to the club and I enjoy enjoy hearing the opinions and thoughts of other Chelsea fans. The last game I attended was our win over Sheffield Wednesday in January. I'm planning on taking my boy to the bridge for the first time soon, who is two and already has three Chelsea shirts, one for when he was born, one for his first birthday and the last for his second birthday. I felt compelled to email you after our defeat at Everton and going into the international break. I find myself actually looking forward to the break to get away from the negativity that is surrounding the club at the moment. Much what we said earlier, Ben, uh, I was a supporter of Sarri's and really wanted his football to work at the bridge. And what turned me uh, was when he bought uh, on Costa for Aspie in our defeat against United in the cup, Ben, I left when he did that. And that's the first time I've left a, a Chelsea match early uh, you know, I could count maybe the three times I've done it, and the other two were really good reasons. Like, I had to be somewhere, I really couldn't be there anymore. This, I just voluntarily left. It really pissed me off. So, I know how you feel. The decision baffled me. Uh, when you're 2 0 down against one of your rivals, and he decides to do a like for like swap, I know Jonathan has said that he made the change because Aspie was tired and Rashford has so much pace. But seriously, we're already 2 0 down. So, who cares if Aspie is tired? We needed a change up front, not in defence. I also believe that the two seasons under Conte has done us more damage in the long run. Although I like Conte because he had a passion and a connection with the fans, uh, I don't think his buys have done us well. He changed our system to three at the back and made players like Victor Moses and Marcus Alonso look like world beaters. And I, on- and I honestly don't think our current players are as good as what a lot of the fans think they are. I know you guys have spoken a lot about Sari and the future of the club this season, but for me, he's not the man to take us forward. His refusal to change tactics, players and formations hasn't gone well. In Syria, A, you can get away with playing a slow build-up game of pass, 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 but in the Premier League, you just don't get enough time on the ball, which you guys know. I believe the transfer ban will do us a favour in the long run. We can rebuild from our youth academy. We do not currently have an identity as a club, and youth players bring identity. Very much what Joe was saying earlier. Players like Hudson-Odoi, Mason Mount, Tammy Abraham, Loftus-Cheek, Charlie Masonder, Jay De Silva, Ola Aina, to name but a few, could build a core. I mean, even Kurt Zouma has had a good season, and our centre-backs have been questionable at best. I'm not saying that these players are the finished article, and we probably won't win trophies for a couple of seasons, but football isn't about just winning trophies. This might be controversial, but if it came down to a choice between Hazard or Hudson-Odoi, I would choose Hudson-Odoi. He is the future, and it would be such a shame to see him leave, not to mention incredibly short-sighted by the club. So, I would like to end it on a positive note. The future of Chelsea Football Club is bright, and the road may be long and hard, but the rewards will come. By the way, I know the football blogging awards are upon us, and I don't have Twitter or Instagram. However, I have voted for you directly on the website, all of your hard work is much appreciated in the short household. The title of the email is Legends, because that's what you are. Chelsea Football Club Legends. Keep up the good work. Thank you, guys, and up the chelsea P.S. Can you please give my son Max a shout-out, a future Chelsea man in the making? All the best, guys. Thank you, Ben. Hello. Uh, well, Ma- Max, definitely. Max, here's a shout-out for you, and I look forward to probably, hopefully, just about still being alive to see you make your debut <laughs> for Chelsea. I will hang on. I will hang on just to make sure that happens. But I've got to say, guys, that's a brilliant email. And amazingly, it, it pretty much picked up on all the things that we talked about tonight, didn't it, JK? Yeah.
2: Really. Will you expire at 90 minutes then after he's made his debut?
0: I have not been known to expire at 90 minutes in the ground before, but not to, not for death-related reasons, uh, possibly alcohol-related reasons. No, no, for Max, I will hang on and wait. I mean, he's what, two now, three now? so let's let's say he makes his debut at 18 that's 15 years uh that'll make me 68 i should be all right i should be good for a few years yet so i'll hang on uh clayton joe anything to add to that no not really okay do you want to have a shout, give a shout out to max clayton go max go max would you like to give a shout out to max joe
3: also,
2: go, Max.
0: <laughs> there you go. Go, Max. Everybody's saying, go, Max. And as I said, I will hang on until uh, you make your debut. Right, uh, Jonathan, Tom Robson. Can I say
2: pro, Max? Because he'll then be a professional footballer.
0: Pro, Max. I like that. Yeah. 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 I like that. For no yeah, apparent
2: good. reason, anyway. Um, this is from Tom Robson. Hey, gang. Let me start by saying how wonderful it was to get email of the week last Monday. Whoop, whoop. It was a big shock and a huge honour. However, I was stunned by Tony's comments regarding my email being sexist. Let me just clarify that the concept of Marina and Roman sharing a glass of wine on a yacht whilst plotting my club's demise is in no way sexist. It's actually gender equal. i merely meant to poke fun at the club's hierarchy, which, in my opinion, is currently underperforming. You had a stinker, Tony. Mm. However, I do agree with the general point Tony makes and have also noticed via social media the nonsense comments made about Marina not knowing anything about football. Nobody knows her, really, so these views should certainly be condemned. Anyway, nothing but love. It's all a debate after all, and that's why we fans love the show. Let me also take the opportunity to thank you guys for giving up so much of your time to create such amazing content with incredible insight. My votes have been cast and my fingers crossed for you at the Blogger Awards. Thank you. Let me end with a thank
0: you for your contributions.
2: Thank you for your contributions, matey.
0: No, it's 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 this this is this is the old love sport gag, yeah. isn't it? Yes. Thank you for your contribution, matey. Yes. James Sherwood, Afro bars, lovely bloke. Right, well done. Tom from Surrey. Yes, indeed. Good email, Tom. Thanks for following it up. Now, uh, I'm afraid uh, Vinod, who I know is in uh, Mixler tonight, I'm. Yours is a very long email, and I know you did give me the option of reading it out or not. I was absolutely up for reading it out. All three pages of it, because it was cracking. Uh, but time has escaped us tonight, so I'm afraid that will have to wait till next week, I'm sure it can. Tommy Miosh, uh, who we met in the pub recently for his first game, sent a lovely email. Uh, Tommy, I will read yours next week. He also addressed it to all of us, Chidge, Jonathan, Clayton and Joe, which was very sweet of him. Uh, so that will have to wait. And good old Russ Saunders, who I know is also in Mixler tonight, Uh, has written a hilarious, an absolutely hilarious story about a mate of his uh, and his escapades uh, when they all watched Chelsea beat Bayern Munich in the uh, European Cup. Uh, Russ, that is again, you know, it's not topical per se, so we can wait until next week for that one. And I promise you will all be first on the list next week. Scouts on it. So the last one, uh, which is wonderful for its brevity if nothing else, although it's a wonderful email. This came in through Patreon, actually, and uh, it's from Andre Letitier uh, No relation, I wonder? You let me know. Uh, he just simply says, Love Kerry Dixon. What a great show The Last Love Sport with Kerry Dixon was. You guys go from strength to strength. Well, how about that? I like the sound of that. Right, OK, time to go. We've outstayed our welcome massively. What can I say? We've been bad. Now, uh, that is, of course, all we've got time for tonight. Uh, we will be back next Monday, April the 1st, which, as any fool know, is April Fool's Day. Uh, so that should be a giggle. Uh, Now, I will be joined by Jonathan and whoever we can beg to share the mics with us because, of course, I haven't done the new schedule yet, so I need to get my skates on this week. Uh, Now, we'll be looking back, of course, at the match against Cardiff. All right, so not much apart from that to talk about. Uh, Now, don't forget, of course, to tune in to the Chelsea Fancast on Love Sport Radio between 7 o'clock, 9 p.m. this Friday. And it'll be me, Jonathan, Dan Silver, and Johnny Burrow. And we, of course, will be digesting the latest Chelsea news and looking ahead to the Cardiff match. So... Excuse me, uh, phone in and join the show, and the and you know that's the point really. Phone us up. We got Mark last week. Nobody phoned up for Kerry. I couldn't believe it. What are you all like? I was going anyway.
1: I was going to ring up, but I I got embroiled in some family stuff, which is why I sent the right. tweet in.
0: That- oh right, right. Well, we did ask you your tweet, didn't we? Yeah, yeah.
1: No, I heard. Yeah, I heard.
0: Yeah. Real shame you didn't phone up for Kerry. You missed a real opportunity. He's well up for it. I tell you, we're getting back in. He said actually, he actually said he'd love to come back on the show. So we'll do that towards the end of the season. But in the meantime, on Friday, give us a call, phone up, join in the show and the debate with us live. And the number to call is zero two zero eight seventy twenty five five eight. And you can listen to Love Sport uh, Radio on five five eight AM. The DAB. Uh, stations and numerous digital channels plus radio player tune in or lovesportradio.com and of course we shove it out as a podcast later that night Uh, and like all of our podcasts it's available on the chelseafancast.com website first acast apple soundcloud spotify and all other podcast distributors Uh, now follow the show on twitter at chelseafancast me at stanford cheers jonathan at jonathan kidd clayton at goalie 59 and joe at, uh, i've made a horrendous typo there it's jow tweedy maybe that's you know Danish. It's, maybe, maybe it's the birmingham cousin of yours jow tweedy anyway it's joe tweedy j-o-e not w as i have spelt tweedy and of course check out the website as i said dot and of course huge thanks to our bloggers for their regular content uh during the week and they are in no particular order at cfc gwlb who is alex churchill nick stroudley at Clitheroe Blue, at Dean Mears, at CFC Nicholas, at Tosser of Coin, at Tom Gott ninety five, at John Tapir, and uh, apart from them, we've got the regular fancasters who deserve a bit of a shout out, and they are at CFC GWLB, at Gate Seventeen Marco, at Dan Silve seventy three, at Gross Jack UK, at Liam underscore Toomey, and OJ Harboard. Brilliant stuff. We're done. Uh, Joe, as always, an absolute pleasure having you on. Always is, but particularly when we get to talk about the youth with some intelligence, which you more than did tonight. So thank you, and sorry I've kept you past your bedtime. (laughs) That's okay, (laughs) Good stuff. We'll see you soon, mate. I'll whack out another schedule uh, end of this week. Let's get you back on before the end of the season. Uh, Clayton, always a delight having you on the show, my friend. Absolutely. Uh, It's about time we had another another beer. I haven't seen you for ages, it seems like.
1: You were mentioning the the season's just... uh a nightmare in terms of fixtures and it
0: is, meeting it? up
1: and all the rest of it um i just hope mrs beerman is still talking to me
0: okay will you send her a big kiss and massive apologies for keeping away from her for so long will it's, do i can't it's, it's all Jonathan's fault. That's, that's all you have to say, you know. Make sure you don't blame me.
2: I witted and witted on.
0: <laughs> you did. Anyway, Clayton, brilliant, mate. Take care. I'll see you soon. As for you, you old reprobate, uh, brilliant stuff earlier on. I enjoyed listening to those memories of Chelsea. And I will see you on Friday.
2: Look forward to it, Judge. Well done, Joe. Well done, Clayton. Fantastic, as always.
0: Excellent stuff. Right, we really are going now. Thank you, you lot, for listening in Mixler. You're always welcome, always brilliant. Uh, so thank you for listening. See you next time. Until then, keep it blue, keep it carefree, and keep it Chels. Up the it's Chelsea. Chels!